and good evening everybody welcome back to another episode of exploring the lord of the rings this is session number 172 as we might we just might get to the end of gandalf's narrative tonight which is kind of exciting right uh you know we'll see i'm, I'm not you know in order for us to get absolutely to the end of his narrative including the transition out of his narrative, like to the end of like when Gandalf actually stops talking, um, we'd have to do three slides. So that's a lot. That's, that's a lot. Uh, it's a lot to ask, especially since I have a slide from the discussion boards today as well, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how we can do. We, we make it to the end of the narrative. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, anyway, just a couple quick announcements today. I wanted to remind you about um, uh, TextMoot coming up soon. TextMoot is happening on the 13th of February, Saturday, February 13th. So we are just a couple weeks away from that. So uh, uh, still time, still plenty of time to sign up. Um, but I wanted to encourage folks, TextMoot.org, uh, you can go to or go to SignumUniversity.org and scroll down to the events thing and you'll see a little event uh, uh uh, page uh, for TextMoot. You can sign up there as well. And um, um, anyway, so that's um, uh, that's one quick announcement. Second quick announcement, just to remind folks about our new clubs program. I was announcing last week our exciting approval by the Learn Everywhere program in the state of New Hampshire so that New Hampshire high school kids can actually get school credit uh, in exchange for certificates that you get from our program. So uh, that's a, a really fun opportunity. Um, but of course, the clubs are a really wonderful opportunity for everybody, whether you're in New Hampshire or not. And of course, all the way down to third grade. Uh, so from third grade all the way up until 12th grade, book club, writing club, language clubs, uh, really, really great stuff. Uh, and I hope that you will uh, uh, let us know if you're interested, academy at signumu.org uh, to uh, express interest and let us know what's going on. So those are my announcements for today. Uh, let us jump into our discussion of uh, from the discussion board. Uh, so this was a, a nice point by uh, Kazafod um, about uh, the uh, blessing of Barlamin Butterbur. Um, and uh, uh, Kazafad started off talking about uh, Old Testament blessings, and I agree with you, Kazafad. It does, I don't know if your name should be pronounced with a ch at the beginning, but I kind of feel like it should because it's even cooler. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, Kazafad, I think that, uh, I think it's it's a really great point. Um, it is uh, there is sort of an air of uh, Old Testament uh, uh, sort of blessing and cursing there. And um, I would I also say Hazafad point, pointed out that I, I said, I can't believe Hazafad that I said that. I was like, woof, when I read that, uh, that I, I talked about Pharaoh's dream and uh, said it was in Exodus. Good grief. Uh my goodness, I'm getting old. No, of course that's from Genesis, the Joseph story in Genesis. Anyway, um, uh, but here is where Chazafad went after some uh, sort of biblical parallels, which I thought were very interesting. But then he says, From the start, I have never truly countenanced the idea of Gandalf applying physical torture to Barlamin. However, a curse on his beer for seven years, that I could believe. <laughs> 
The more I think about this, the more it seems a plausible retribution towards the innkeep. I can well imagine Gandalf saying something to the effect of, well, if you are too busy to even send a letter, maybe you should have fewer customers. May your beer be placed under an enchantment of passing vileness for seven years. True, this doesn't fit exactly with roasting or melting, but from what we see, it appears that Butterbur was already beginning to melt just from Gandalf's voice pre the Strider news. It just seems to me logical that if he had this curse in his head, it would have been easy and likely for him to switch it around with the catastrophic news. I think that that's a really interesting uh, point, actually. So, and, and and I guess what I would say, Khazafad, kind of uh, uh, elaborating on that a little bit. Um, first of all, I agree with you that the reference to butter melting, um, right? You know that he that he sank down and started to melt on the spot. Um, that combined with the, you know, butterbur they call him, right? Uh, you know, I'll melt all the butter in him. I will roast the old fool over a slow flame. That sounds to me like um, something. I, that sounds to me like uh, what? I was going to say elaboration, but that's not quite right. Um, uh, embroidery, right? After the fact, embroidery. Um, you know, him kind of like hamming it up just a little bit. For Frodo's benefit, I mean, you know, I, I talked about how he, um, uh, how he is indeed, um, uh, sort of moving on to, uh, 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 okay, so how in his story he is inviting us to imagine his frame of mind without telling us a lot about what goes on his mind, in his mind, right? What he's actually thinking. And then here at the end, that is on the, you know, at the end of this um, horrible trip, for, you know, which must have been horrible for Gandalf, certainly, right? From Bag End to um, uh, Crick Hollow to Bree, right? I mean, that whole stretch is just getting worse and worse all the time. That has to have been a really bad period of time in Gandalf's mind, Right. Um, uh, 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 some 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 hours in which it will have been very very unpleasant to be Gandalf. Um, and I, you know, the 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 whole comic turn, you know, the 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 play on the word butter and all that stuff, it, it really feels to me uh, like he's kind of hamming it up a little bit, right, for the for the crowd. Um, and I think from Frodo, he gets exactly the reaction that he was looking for. What did you do to him? Right. Oh, don't worry. Right. You know, I, 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 that sounds to me like Gandalf as, um, as storyteller, right. Um, Gandalf as, uh, you know, that, that he's, he's kind of milking the story at that point, because to be honest, Given the frame of mind that he described himself, he described himself as in despair, like hope left him for that time when he was when he left Crick Hollow. And in that frame of mind, in a genuinely despairing and desperate frame of mind, I don't see Gandalf like making witty puns to himself. I can imagine him really angry at Butterbur, um, even to the point of perhaps, you know, sort of unconsciously projecting onto Butterbur a lot of his anger and frustration, perhaps even unjustly. Like it is possible to imagine that. But it's less easy for me to imagine him making sort of quips and jokes in his head at that moment, right? Later, yes. And hamming it up a little, telling the story, um, I think, yes, I can totally see that. In praise, I agree with you. The embroidery is hilarious in the context of Gandalf saying he would cut to the essentials. 
Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, and B- Bjarne Sonner, I agree. Nobody said that Gandalf wasn't a good storyteller. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, and Gogonthier points out how uh, Gandalf is... Um, um, uh, is uh, uh, adding some comic relief uh, to the very serious discussions uh, at, the, at the council. Um, yes, yes. And Tony, I think that's a really good point. Tony calls it an illustration uh, of Frodo's um, later phrase in his song about Gandalf being quick to anger and quick to laugh. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, so... Do I believe that those lines about melting the butter out of Butterbur were literally like that was actually word for word what was in Gandalf's head in that moment? No, no, I don't think so. I think that's his retroactive characterization of it, which is designed to kind of lighten the mood Um, and, you know, to kind of uh, 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 play it up a little bit uh, and induce that uh, reaction, which Gandalf laughs at uh, right from um, from Frodo. So. Hazafad, I, I agree to that. So to that extent, I do think that his actual words about roasting him over a slow fire, probably not what was going through his head at that time. Um, uh, and so therefore, I don't think that what he ascribes to himself retroactively necessarily disproves your theory, is what I'm saying. Um, do I think that it's possible that he was actually contemplating a curse on uh, Butterbur's beer? I'm not saying I wouldn't say that I think that impossible. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't really even know exactly how to judge whether, you know, like how likely I think that is. I mean, we don't have any direct evidence. It's all very indirect and very speculative. Um, But can I imagine? um, Can I imagine that he um, might have considered that right, that he might have placed a curse upon Butterbur, um, maybe not a, a physical curse, right? But a curse upon his beer, and that he suddenly reversed it uh, into a blessing. I don't know. I mean, I f- I kind of like the idea. Uh, I mean, I I find that idea like an attractive and kind of charming one, but um, I don't know that there's really any evidence to be, uh, 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 you know, to be taken into account one way or the other. Um, it is true, Arden Crayon, that a curse on Butterbur's beer would uh, be a curse on all his customers as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it would be a little bit uh, tough luck on everybody else in the Breeland, right? Uh, if uh, the beer at the Pony were placed under a curse. But uh, but does that mean they would never have any beer? Or that, like, all the beer? No. I mean, you know, he's clearly a major supplier, but that could change, right? If the beer at the Pony was bad, uh, you know, consistently bad for a long time, customers would eventually leave, right? And doubtless, somebody else would try. So, um, uh, but, but yeah, so, uh, anyway, I mean... Do I think it's possible? Yes, I think it's possible. Sam, I have to admit that I'm, I think in the end, I'm more of your line of thinking that um, if the state of despair in which Gandalf describes himself briefly indicates that he was at that time, if I think that his state of despair would seem to, you know, uh, militate against his, uh, uh, 
making jokes about melting butter. Um, you know, would it, does it seem very likely that it would express itself in a, um, you know, a contemplation of a, 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 a cursing of his beer? It's harder to see. Again, it's not that I think it uh, impossible that Gandalf would do. And in some ways I could see, I can see the argument to say something like it would be a, it would be a just curse upon Butterbur, right? Um, it's not that I can't accept that it could be a judicious move, even, on Gandalf's part. Um, but I agree with you, Sam, that thinking through to the frame of mind in which Gandalf seems to have been at that point, it is a little hard for me, too, to imagine him kind of uh, uh, deliberating on that and coming up with that during that time. Um, but... Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, no idea. No idea. Um, but, um, but I think it's a really interesting theory. So, wanted to share it. Thought that was fun. Um, okay. Let's get back to the text. So I stayed there that night, wondering much what had become of the riders, for of only two, for only of two had there yet been any news in Bree, it seemed. But in the night we heard more. Five at least came from the west, and they threw down the gates and passed through Bree like a howling wind, and the Bree folk are still shivering and expecting the end of the world. I got up before dawn and went after them. I do not know, but it seems clear to me that this is what happened. Their captain remained in secret away south of Bree, while two rode ahead through the village, and four more invaded the Shire. But when these were foiled in Bree and at Crick Hollow, they returned to their captain with tidings, and so left the road unguarded for a while except by their spies. The captain then sent some eastward, straight across country, and he himself, with the rest, rode along the road in great wrath. I galloped to Weathertop like a gale, and I reached it before sundown on my second day from Bree, and they were there before me. They drew away from me, for they felt the coming of my anger, and they dared not face it while the sun was in the sky. But they closed round at night, and I was besieged on the hilltop, in the old ring of Amansul. I was hard put to it indeed. Such light and flame cannot have been seen on Weathertop since the war beacons of old. All right. Uh, lots of stuff here. Um, we'll get to the movements of the uh, ringwraiths as they're described here in a moment. Uh, but he begins by describing what ha so he he begins by describing what happened to him and then he goes backwards right speculatively goes backwards in time um, so first with what happens so he arrives there the night after they leave right after Frodo and Aragorn and the rest of them leave um, and that night he is staying in Bree and five black riders come pelting through Bree like a howling wind leaving the Bree folk still shivering and expecting the end of the world. The impact on the town is really interesting. I mean, it's, it's, um, um, it's, uh, uh, I mean, five horses galloping hard through the town in the middle of the night is something that might wake people up, you know? Um, something that might well kind of catch their attention 
no matter what happens, right? Even if they were five perfectly normal people in a hurry, you know, dashing through the town in the middle of the night. Um, but obviously it seems that this, the impact on the town uh, is a great deal more than this. Um, uh, they, uh, and so I'm, I'm interested in this. I'm interested in this because it's clear that the, the Black Riders have been in and around Bree, right? Mary sees one. He sees a Black Rider uh, and comes under the influence of the Black Breath while in Bree, right? Down by Bill Fernie's house. So we know that Black Riders have come in. Um, uh, uh, of course, Butterbur, uh, you know, they come and, ask, and inquire at the inn. Butterbur, you know, says that. Um, so we know that they've been in Bree before, and yet it didn't disturb the town like this. It's clear that Butterbur himself was creeped out by them. Um, and others, you know, might perhaps be uneasy, but there was no kind of mass effect on the citizenry of the town uh, like this. So there seems to be some difference here, right? Um, five at least came from the west, and they threw down the gates and passed through Bree like a howling wind. They throw down the gates. Um, uh, so they wreck the place a little bit on the way through. And the Bree folk are still shivering and expecting the end of the world. Yeah, Nancy, I agree. They, um, they clearly took the spooky power gloves off. Yes, they, are, they seem to be exerting their strength here in ways that they haven't been before. Now, why? Why is this, do we think? Um, uh, I'm trying to figure out. Um, I'm trying to figure out um, how... Why the Nazgul are doing this, exactly. Other than a spite, Durambar says, uh, potentially. Yes, it's true that they don't have reason... Uh, to conceal themselves anymore. Um, they are in need of haste, I agree. What I'm wondering is if there is reason to think that they are actually strengthened by this. Again, it's it's more than just... Again, if five dudes rode really fast through the town, you know, clattered their way through the town in the middle of the night, it would probably wake people up. People would be feeling uncertain, indignant if they threw down the gate while doing it. Um, they would feel, what, outraged? Maybe scared when they saw that, right? But again, the the way that Gandalf describes not just the immediate reaction as terror, shivering and expecting the end of the world, but the fact that he implies that that effect is long-lasting, right? He, uh, he says they are still shivering and expecting the end of the world. Sounds like... Um, there was, they they didn't just stop concealing themselves, right? They seem to have really laid a full whammy on the people of Bree, as far as if I'm reading Gandalf's words properly. Um, and Tomas and Kit, that is exactly what I was thinking as well. Their strength is in fear. They enjoy being feared. They seem to be strengthened by being feared. Um, them riding in the middle of the night and creating a, you know, sort of buoyed up by the fear, you know, the fear that they bring to an entire town as they ride through. Um, uh, 
seems to be part of this. This seems to be like they're they're buffing themselves, essentially, is how I read that. Um, uh, it sounds it sounds um, it sounds deliberate. Um, and I agree, Tony, also that their power is multiplied by their numbers more than just the sum of them individually. So the mere fact that there are five of them at once, at least five, right? Gandalf isn't quite sure how many there were. Um, but at least five of them galloping through the town is certainly going to magnify. I don't know if the fear impact of the Nazgul is technically exponential, uh, you know, with uh, uh, with their increasing numbers. Um, that's just what... Uh, Alia Eru is uh, suggesting that perhaps, perhaps that would be a one mathematical way to model it. I'm not sure, um, but um, but certainly it's like that. It is it is it is at the very least a geometric rather than an, an arithmetic increase uh, in the fear impact of the riders based on uh, their uh, coming together. Um, uh, yeah. Now, Zeph and I agree with you. Uh, says <laughs> n squared. Maybe it's possible. That the the fear factor increases by n squared, uh, with n being the number of the Nazgul gathered in one place together, possibly, possibly. Um, yeah, Rowan, we're getting there. I think we'll get to the the question of how they got where. Um, but um, but yeah, Matt, I think that's an interesting way to um, an interesting way to describe it. Matt says the Nazgul are in some ways laying a kind of claim on Bree. Uh, by putting their mark upon it, and in doing so, perhaps making a less likely place uh, for a ring bearer or baggins to find shelter. Um, perhaps, or even, um, you know, there is such a thing as malice and revenge, uh, knowing that they were sheltered here, right? That baggins was sheltered here, and just wanting to punish them for that. Um, that also seems to me possible. And JJ, yeah, that's in line, JJ, with what you were just thinking of there. Um, that, uh, you know, it could be they're getting more and more frustrated. They tried the gaffer, and that didn't work. They tried being a little stronger with Farmer Maggot, and that didn't work. Uh, they actually assaulted Crick Hollow, and that didn't work, and they got chased out, and now they arrive at Bree to discover the ring is just left into the wilderness. Clearly they're frustrated and need a buff in order to try stage two. Um, yeah, no, I think that that's that seems to me fair. Um, that things have not been going well for the Nazgul, right? Um, and, and, you know, here's where, you know, we kind of come back to the difficulties of the Witch King. We've, we've, we've been thinking recently about Gandalf's frame of mind, right? The Gandalf's scope of knowledge uh, at this point and Gandalf's, um, you know, reactions to that and the emotions that he points to or the emotions that, the emotions that he merely implies. But what, what about this whole thing from the... Um, uh, from the Ringwraith's perspective, right? We talked about the decision for him, the Witch King, to split his party, right? To send four of them into the Shire and himself to wait. And ways in which that, you know, that could make sense in a couple different ways, potentially. We talked about those before. Um, but those four riders, those four riders in the Shire, as JJ was reminding us, are having a heck of a time. They really are. Um, for all that Gandalf felt that the news that the Nazgul had arrived not only in the Shire, but in Hobbiton, right, before he got there, it's the sign of... I mean, it's over, right? It's over. His only hope was to beat them here. Like, to, you know, hope beyond hope that they're still looking, 
that they're not able to find the Shire, and that knowing where it is and riding the fastest horse on the earth, uh, he could get there before they did. And, and, you know, doubtless Gandalf's new plan, right, when he galloped uh, like a gale to, uh, to Bag End, was just to scoop Frodo up and ride with him, you know, uh, ride with him to Rivendell like Shadowfax's mane is on fire, right? I mean, that must have been his plan, right? Um, and yet, upon discovering, you know, so then, but of course he discovers that the ring rates are there before him. This leads him eventually after Crick Hollow to despair, but of course we know the truth. The truth is that he, the, the ring wraiths, have been thwarted again and again, again and again, right? They did find, but they missed him. And then he's like wandering in the wild and they knew that. They were tracking him and sniffing for him on the road. And he kept saying, like, these random elves show up? Seriously? Like a bunch of Noldor find him? Noldor, for crying out, a wandering pack of Noldor, for crying out loud, come across him at the same moment uh, that the Nazgul is just about to snag them. And he was. Remember, he was crawling towards them through the grass. And then, of course, you've got the pursuit, uh, you know, the the rider up on the bank above the Marish and the farmer maggot thing, right, and how close they were to catching them um, uh, on the ferry. It's, uh, it's an amazing series of frustrating coincidences, and they keep arriving just too late. I mean, this has got to be a really low job satisfaction period for the Nazgul, right? And then they arrive in Crick Hollow and they put this place under siege because there's, I'm sure they can tell, there's just like one terrified hobbit inside, right? They finally tracked him down. They finally cornered him. And not only does he, in fact, get away, good old Fatty Bulger, right, escaped, um, but then, like, they're forced to flee again, Right. It's um, it's amazing, Nancy. I agree. It's all in Boethius. It's all in Boethius. What seems like chance, right, is in fact merely uh, a series of unknown causes. Um, yes. Yes. So anyway, this is all to agree with JJ that the frame of mind of the Nazgul who are galloping through Bree, it's easy to imagine them feeling spiteful, ticked off, fed up. Right. With this whole job, with this whole area. Right. Um, The kid gloves are coming off and they're going to enter their element. Um, They're going to ride through Bree, as one of you were saying, um, uh, at least theologically uncloaked. Right. Or or sorry, not theologically. How do you get theologically uncloaked? I'm not sure I want to know. Um, at least figuratively uncloaked. Sorry, I was looking at another comment about theology. Um, yeah, Fourth Dauntless's comment that if the Nine knew any theology, all their bad luck would have told them that they're the bad guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, how to know when providence might be working against you, right? You, you, you've got to think they, 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 um, they might want to put that together, uh, perhaps. But... Um, yeah, yeah. Um, you're right, Bjarna Sonner. For them to be uncloaked literally wouldn't be all that impressive, right? They just would become invisible. Um, yeah, so... Um, <laughs> yeah, JJ says, The Witch King and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Quest. 
Exactly. Exactly. Um, so um, great wrath. Wrath. Wrath is what Gandalf ascribes to them, right? They are angry. They are angry that they have been thwarted. And I would imagine, I would imagine that the, uh, now I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Maybe this isn't true. My question was whether or not the five riders who rode through Bree contain the four who just rode out of Crick Hollow, right? Who just rode out of Buckland, got, just got chased out of Buckland and are still mad from it. Or are the five who ride through the Witch King and the other four um, uh, and uh, uh, so this is this is the wrath of the Witch King, right? Who's just had the failure, their failure reported to him. And again, remember Gandalf's fears help to remind us how unlikely the failure of the Nazgul in the Shire is. I mean, the Witch King has to be thinking some suitably evil and intimidating version of, are, are you guys kidding me? Like, you, he was right there, and you, what, Noldor? For real? Like, I mean, it's almost inconceivable uh, that they got away. Um, and yeah, Evil Dr. Ken and I agree. Like, given all their efforts to find the stinking place, and then this, right? Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, yep, yep. Um, Yeah, no, I agree. If the riders from Buckland had ridden out at full speed, they would have arrived at Bree before Frodo, certainly, who was delayed not just going on foot and overland through a very um, inefficient path, right? And they were galloping along the road. Um, but um, uh, but uh, but also, of course, he stayed overnight with Tom Bombadil in two days, you know, stayed an extra day with Tom Bombadil, you know, in Goldberry's washing day. So, so yeah, no question they would have arrived. They absolutely went somewhere first. So let's uh, let's let's look at that. Um, and then, Matt, I want to come back to your point about um, what to what extent they might be triggered by Gandalf's presence as well. Um, anyway, he says, I do not know, but it seems clear to me that this is what happened. So here now Gandalf explicitly begins speculating based on the evidence that he's had. Their captain remained in secret away south of Bree, while two rode ahead through the village and four more invaded the Shire. But when these were foiled in Bree and at Crick Hollow, they returned to their captain with tidings, and so left the road unguarded for a while, except by their spies. So the black riders that Butterbur had previously encountered, um, that he tells Frodo about, um, must have been those two that um, the Witch King sent. So he's got is him and eight other dudes, right? Four of them go into the Shire, two go north, two he keeps with himself, right? So there's the three of them down south of Bree. Two of them go up into Bree to scope out what's going on there in Bree. Four of them go into the Shire. He stays down in the south. The Bree ones, and so all nine of them re-congregate down there. Remember, they can't text each other, right, uh, you know, to arrange another meetup. Um, they do their attempt to do their jobs, uh, and then they are, they are to come back and meet the Witch King Presumably, that seems to be what happened based on Gandalf's speculation, and so the uh, the prearranged meeting would appear to be uh, uh, would appear to be implied. Um, uh, so, um, 
yes, the riders did not attack Crick Hollow until the same night that they attacked the pony. Right, right, Flammer for good. Exactly. So, although it would have taken them much less time, they didn't start off until significantly later. Yes, exactly. Um, so Bill Fernie is cutting up bolsters in the Prancing Pony at the same time that the Nazgul are getting chased out of uh, Buck, uh, Buckland. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, but the two who went north prior to that recruited spies, right? That's presumably when Bill Fernie um, was recruited, right? And the Nazgul comes back and checks in with him, right, on that, uh, on that night when, when Mary sees him, right? Okay. Uh, so, two road ahead, four invaded the Shire, um, when these were foiled in Brian at Crick Hollow, they returned to their captain with tidings and so left the road unguarded for a while except by their spies. Um, this would mean... So what is, he re- what is Gandalf referring to here? On the one hand, it sounds like he's saying this is why Frodo and company did not run into any of the Black Riders on the road, right? When they returned to the... Remember when, you know, their fear, when they returned to the road out of the Barrow Downs and they're like, oh yeah, the Black Riders, right? We, we need to be afraid of them. Um, uh, why didn't they encounter any Black Riders? Why don't any Black Riders catch them on the way to Bree, even though they only have a short way from the Barrow Downs to Bree? Um, uh, because they're not there. But um, uh, the leaving the road unguarded, um, I suspect, um, I suspect, is Gandalf explaining why he hadn't encountered any of them. Remember, he was following their trail from Buckland. So when, um, when the... Uh, uh, when the Black Riders are chased out of Buckland, Gandalf arrives soon thereafter, right? The Buckland is still, is still in turmoil, right? Like, a, like an ant uh, hill that's just been kicked. Um, so he just comes, what, an hour? You know, hours to minutes um, after the Black Riders leave, which is while Frodo and company are camping uh, in the parlor there at Bree. Um, okay. Bjarne Soner, I agree. An interactive maps of the movements of everybody would be feasible and really dang cool. I totally agree. Bjarne Soner, how has this never happened? How has no one ever done that? A moving interactive map of the movements of all the characters. I've seen, like, you know, Indiana Jones-style red line maps, you know, that show the path of the Fellowship and that kind of thing. Um, But, um, but surely we can do better, right? We have the technology. Anyway, okay. Um, But, um, oh, the old War in Middle-Earth game did? Cool. Cool. I didn't see that one. Um, Anyway, okay. So, Gandalf was following them, right? Gandalf is pursuing them. They hung a right at the Greenway, right, at the crossroads before they got to Bree and went down to meet up with their master. Gandalf keeps going because he's going to check in at the pony, right? Not to necessarily get a room, though he is, um, you know, 
checking in and getting a room in, in the end. Um, but, um, but he wants to, you know, uh, melt some butter, right? So he goes on to the inn. Um, and remember that he said, um, remember that he said that, um, remember that he said that they split up, the riders split up, right? Um, so it makes me wonder, are they all gathered? But he says now here that he thinks they all gathered together. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure that. Um, I'm not sure how to reconcile those two things, actually. He says that the. When he was pursuing the trail of the riders, it split up and he, he didn't know which one to pursue. Um, and. Uh, Huh. So, sorry, I'm just trying to think this through here. Where did the other ones go? By this account, um, when these were foiled in Bree and at Crick Hollow, they returned to their captain with tidings, and so left the road unguarded for a while except by their spies. The captain then sent some eastward straight across country, and he himself with the rest rode along the road in great wrath. Gandalf doesn't know exactly how those were divided. All he knows is that they were divided. Kurtzimus, he was pursuing the riders because he thought they had Frodo. Yes. And so their splitting up was a problem because he didn't know which one of them had Frodo. He had no way to tell. Um, so, um, where did they split? And if they split... Where did they go? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. Um, and I don't know how that jives with this account that he's giving here. And again, I think... Because if... Their returning to their captain and leaving the road unguarded is subsequent to their being foiled both in Bree and at Crick Hollow. Um, it would have to be like right this very night that he's describing. Again, I, I, the only way I can kind of paraphrase that is basically Gandalf saying, that's why I didn't run any into any of them on the road. Right. But then they came tearing up that night in the middle of the night. Um, foiled in Crick Hollow, we know what that means. We know what that looks like. What is he referring to when he says when these were foiled in Bree? I think foiled in Bree means the kidnapping attempt, right? They made a kidnapping attempt, not them personally, they're spies, right? That Bill Fernie and, you know, Quint, spin the, 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 you know, Quinn, the, the squint-eyed southerner, it's not really his name, um, that's, our name for him. Uh, anyway, um, they um, they did the bolster slashing, right? And as we suggested at the time, um, I think that that was meant to be a kidnapping attempt. Uh, that uh, that 
the 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 riders did not seem to you know Strider himself doubts that they would attack the inn at night um, that they he thinks that they lack the strength to attack the inn at night um, uh, and so anyway so they um, um, they send their spies their spies were presumably supposed to kidnap the hobbits and take them to Bill Fernie's house. And that's why the Nazgul comes to Bill Fernie's house that night to, to arrange this with him. Right. Um, so, um, yeah. Okay. So I'm not sure. And you're absolutely right, Tony, that, uh, Gandalf is of course himself speculating, right? He doesn't know. Um, and so he might be wrong about some of the some of the movements here. Um, if what he says here is inconsistent with what he said before, that seems a little bit more puzzling. Um, but anyway, you know, maybe he's speaking in sort of general terms um, when he says, uh, you know, they return to their captain with tidings doesn't necessarily mean all four of them returned. You know, um, the four that were in Crick Hollow were thwarted and they returned, but like maybe two of them returned and two of them, you know, so maybe they split up North and South, right? Um, uh, North and South, the, up the, you know, up and down the greenway. And, you know, but that he's still characterizing, um, these were foiled in Bree and then they returned to their captain with tidings, right? Which they did not, not all of them, but you know, some of them anyway, I don't know. Um, so, Let's move on to what you guys already want to um, uh, what you want to uh, work towards here, which is Weathertop. Why does Gandalf go to Weathertop? I galloped to Weathertop like a gale, and I reached it before sundown on my second day from Bree, and they were there before me. They, presumably, being the five who galloped um, through or at least the five, right, who galloped through town in front of him. Because remember, they gallop through town, and he gets up before dawn and goes after them that same night, right, on Shadowfax. Um, and he's galloping to Weathertop like a gale, and he re- and they're there before him. Um, he doesn't say that all nine of them were there. And I think that that's based on what Gandalf says impossible. That all nine of them were there attacking him on the hilltop. I think that unlikely for two reasons. One, logistically. Gandalf has just said that the captain sent some eastward straight across country. Now, as we know, shortcuts make long delays. And it seems to me very difficult to believe, based on the description that we get of what straight across country looks like. They go through the marshes? right, through the Midgewater Marshes. Um, are we really believing that those Nazgul made it across, cross-country, not by the road, from Bree to Weathertop, faster than Gandalf on Shadowfax makes it from Bree to Weathertop by the road? Um, I'm, I, that takes a lot of believing. Uh, to believe that. I don't think so. Um, uh, and Rachel, I, I doubt the midges would bother the Nazgul, though 
that makes for a delightful mental image, right, of the Nazgul sort of slapping themselves. They would have to be plagued by spiritual images, which no doubt they are. But um, anyway, um, yeah, so um, <laughs> exactly. What do they eat when they can't get Nazgul? Exactly. What do they eat when they can't get, you know, uh, 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 you know, undead, quasi-spiritual flesh? Um, <laughs> Bright Anger says it actually answers the question of what they eat when they can't get Hobbit. <laughs> right? Nazgul! That's it. That's it. Uh, exactly. Um, though Arden Crayon suggests that the, that, uh, the Black Breath uh, is perhaps the ultimate bug spray. Um, agreed, though I think uh, not worth it. Arden Crayon, uh, not worth it. I think uh, uh, I would, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take the bug bites myself. Um, but <laughs> yes, Rowan speculates that midges uh, are powerful uh, in both worlds, uh, in, uh, against the seen and the unseen, uh, which I can believe. I can believe that. Um, I, I don't have any, any problem believing that. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Apart from the comical image of the Nazgul swatting um, at the Nikerbreakers as they're uh, going through, um, I, I can't really um, imagine that they beat Gandalf to Weathertop. So the only ones who I think could possibly have gotten to Weathertop before Gandalf, based on what he describes of his itinerary, are those who galloped through first. And he says he got up before dawn and went, he didn't say I immediately followed them, right? It wasn't like, you know, I'm in hot pursuit that he set off. Um, it was um, um, in the night, they galloped through, and then before dawn, he left. So it sounds like there's a delay. Um, there's a delay of a couple hours, potentially, there, right before he... before. So he gives them a little bit of a head start, and then he goes after them. Um, and uh, I don't think... Remember now, what's Gandalf doing? What's, why is, what, is, what is Gandalf up to here? Why is he pursuing the Nazgul? He no longer thinks they have Frodo. He knows they don't have Frodo. Right. Those who came galloping in from the West can't have Frodo because Frodo's in the other direction. And he knows that now and under the protection of Aragorn. So he has some reason to hope that Frodo will stay ungotten by the Nazgul, at least for a while. So before he was pursuing the Nazgul because he, in desperation and in despair, because he thought that they had Frodo. Now he knows that they don't. So why is he pursuing them? Well, again, notice he's not in hot pursuit. Right, he doesn't leap into the saddle or the non-saddle as soon as he hears the riders go through, right? But he does, nevertheless, go after them, galloping like a gale. Why? What is he up to? He is trying to draw their attention. They drew away from me, for they felt the coming of my anger, and they dared not face it while the sun was in the sky. Now this. Um, brings up the second issue. Um, and somebody, I forget that somebody was um, mentioning this earlier on, but I can't, uh, um, uh, I can't remember who said it. Rem remember that Gandalf did not think that he could stand against the Nine when they are gathered together under their fell chieftain. He didn't think that was possible. He believed that they would kick his butt. That's another reason why I think there cannot be all nine of the Nazgul at 
Weathertop when he is attacked. Um, not only because I don't believe that the others could have gotten there that quickly, um, but also because Gandalf held them off. Um, and he himself doesn't believe uh, that he could have done that. So yes, this is like Gandalf kiting the Nazgul away. That is absolutely what is going on here. Um, and I agree it's a sensible target. It's a sensible target for the re- same reason Aragorn is going there, because um, he, you know, Gandalf is saying, you know, Gandalf would make for that place. Gandalf might be thinking Aragorn, Aragorn will think I'll be, I'll make for, uh, for Weathertop. So certainly if he were trying to meet up with them, Weathertop would be a good place to go to. But I don't think, um, I, now you're right, D. Schwab, it is possible that Gandalf is wrong, um, that he faced all nine, um, and, uh, uh, that he faced all nine and uh, and did better than he expected to. It's possible. That's possible. Um, but again, I don't think so. And yeah, Tony, you're right. The Witch King did have history with Weathertop. Um, yeah, yeah, he did. Um, anyway, okay. Is Gandalf going to Weathertop because he's hoping to meet up with Aragorn? I say no. No, I don't think he is. I think that if Gandalf could do the scoop into the saddle and ride off with, you know, Frodo thrown across the, you know, thrown across Shadowfax's back in front of him and, and, and ride like the wind. Um, yes, I think he would do that. Um, but he knows it's not really likely. And if he stays and waits for them, the most likely thing is that, you know, the nine riders gather together entrap the lot of them and ambush them all. Um, and again, Gandalf has expressed that he does not feel confident about how that would, um, about how that would turn out. So that he sees himself now actively playing the role of distraction and spoiler, even potentially sacrificing himself. He attacks them, right? He comes after them in order to attack them. They drew away from me. For they felt the coming of my anger, and they dared not face it while the sun was in the sky. Um, he's challenging them, right? And he goes up into this defensible place, but he allows himself to be cornered as well, right? Um, while night is coming. And they closed around at night, and I was besieged on the hilltop in the old ring of Amun-Sul. Um, he has their attention now. Um... And yes, the longer they're occupied with Gandalf, the more time Strider has to get them to Rivendell. Absolutely. Um, um, Brandon says, we know Gandalf is picking a fight here. Does he choose Weathertop because it's defensible? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I think that that's part of it. Yes. Um, but also a place that they're going to look for. And they do. They do make for Weathertop. He finds them already there when he gets there. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, okay. So Gandalf's plan is distraction, even self-sacrifice if need be, but distraction, right? Um, and to draw them off. Um, I was hard put to it indeed. Such light and flame cannot have been seen on Weathertop since the war beacons of old. And I love the, um, um, the memory there, um, Tony, um, the recollection, like, what, 
why were there war beacons on Amansul before? Well, you know, in case the Witch King attacked, <laughs> right? Uh, so yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, now, let's think about this from... Let's think about this from uh, the Witch King's point of view. You're the Witch King. We've talked about the frustrations leading up to this point, right? The repeated failures, the like inexplicable repeated failures um, of his uh, of his people. Um, he's. We know that the Witch King is not. It reminds me of when the Witch King says to Gandalf, this old fool, this is my hour, right? He's not um, completely oblivious to this kind of effect, right? Um, like the way that the tides of um, fate are turning against one, right? Um, now, you might say that my example there is a paradoxical example because, of course, him saying this is my hour and it proves he proves to be wrong, right? Um, or rather, right, but in a tragically different sense. It's his hour to die, not his hour to conquer. Um, but remember the reference afterwards, after he withdraws from the gate, right? When his hour is spoiled by a rooster. Um, and... Uh, but the narrator tells us in that moment that he could see the tides turning against him, right? He could read the signs and see what was happening. So he does what he takes action in order to try to change the narrative, right? And hence his attack by his returning to the air, right? He hops on his fell beast uh, and he kills... Theoden, you know, he attacks Theoden, right? I'm going to, uh, his triumphal entry into, um, uh, into Minas Tirith was spoiled by the horns of the Rohirrim. He's going to nip that problem right in the bud, right? Um, <laughs> sorry, Bjarna Soder. No, Mr. Witch King, I expect you to die. Uh, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> so, um, so my point is, I think that he is, there is some evidence that he looks at stuff like this. The Witch King looks at stuff like this. Like, what is the direction things are moving in here? That he can read the signs to some extent, right? Um, sometimes might delude himself about it, might be tragically wrong about it, but, but he thinks this way, right? So again, you're the Witch King. Things have not been going well. One thing after another has contrived to thwart you. Um, now they've set off into the wild with like unexpected competence. Right now they're 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 uh, um, in the hands of which doubtless has been reported to them by Bill Fernie. Right, so the Witch King now knows that you know he doesn't know who Aragorn is. Right, so Aragorn is an unknown quantity to him, but they found some kind of aid. Right, and now they're off in the, um, now they're off in the, 
uh, in the wilderness. So he's, and then Gandalf shows up. Gandalf shows up on horseback and not just any horseback, right? I'm sure that um, the Witch King is also aware that he looked like he was foaled in the dawn of the world, right? I, you know, I mean, that's, um, uh, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Now, what, what does this mean? I mean, this was hard enough already, right? He is having a frustratingly difficult time pinning down these hobbits in the wild and coming to grips with them, right? Um, and now they seem to have gotten some aid. Great. That's uh, annoying, right? But now Gandalf shows up. And here's Gandalf pelting along the road. Um, what's he doing? What's he up to? Um, Turambar suspects that Shadowfax must have some presence in the Unseen World as well. Yeah, I mean, can the, can the Nazgul see Shadowfax? Maybe they can. I, they must perceive him, right? Um, do the Nazgul really think they could defeat Gandalf at Weathertop, or were they just chasing him off so he couldn't help Frodo? I've got to think... I've got to think the latter. That they're chasing him off so that he can't help Frodo. Um, this would be... Again, it's been hard enough with those pesky hobbits on foot, right? If the wizard on the magic horse were to succeed in doing the hobbit scoop and run, right? I mean, he knows, the Witch King knows that his problems are going to get much higher at this point, right? So now he has a wizard to manage. Um, and things are going from bad to worse, right? Um, so, what does he do? The Witch King. He sends some of his folks cross-country. Presumably he does this, sending them in the direct path to try to see if they can find or catch Strider and the hobbits in the wild. Right. Let's not give up on that possibility. Let's send some in direct pursuit, but then others will get ahead of them, and they're going to go to Weathertop because it is the sort of this. You know, all paths lead to Weathertop. Right, going through there. Um, I mean, I'm sure all roads in the region literally did lead to Amonsul uh, back in the old days. Uh, so that seems very possible. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, have they been east along the road yet? Um, or maybe they're also scouting for a bridge or ford the party would be forced to cross. Uh, you mean as to why they're pelting off along in that direction? Yeah, I think they're trying to get ahead of them and work backwards. And they believe, rightly, that in getting to Weathertop, they have gotten ahead of them. Right? But just when they're prepared to do whatever they have to... I mean, there are several choke points that they have here, right? I mean, rem remember Frodo and even Aragorn's anxiety about the road to Rivendell, right? I mean, there are some very good... There's some very likely candidates for ambush, right? It is not at all clear that they are going to succeed in making it through. Um... And had the Nazgul been completely undisturbed, it seems very likely that they would have caught them. They've got, let's call it four, coming up behind, right? They've got the five 
on the road who get to Weathertop and had there been no Gandalf, what would they have done? Maybe left one or two at Weathertop, had the others continued up to the last bridge, right? And take up posts there so that not, which in fact they do, We're, we know, they do in fact take up posts at the last bridge, which is exactly what Aragorn is suspecting that the bridge is going to be held against them, right? So they, they're coming up behind, they're standing in front, they're just waiting to close in on them in the dark, right? Enter Gandalf. And Gandalf wrecks the entire thing. Right? Gandalf goes galloping off um, and uh, um, Gandalf goes galloping off. Gandalf fights them and then goes galloping off and they have to, and they chase him. Right? They chase him because they can, if he stays around he can undermine their ambushes, right? I mean, he can, they, 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 they don't want him to... I mean, remember, these hobbits have been slippery at, 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 at the very least, right? Um, they they want to take the wizard out of the equation, right? The wizard on the magic horse out of the equation. Um, so he sends four riders, which he judges, and apparently rightly, to be sufficient to keep Gandalf on the run. Again, this is another reason why I suspect he was not fighting all nine of them, because uh, four are sufficient to chase him off. Now, he wants to draw them off, so um, uh, running away is part of his plan, right? But um, uh, but still, had uh, Gandalf been able just to turn around, easily kick the butt of the four riders who were pursuing them and go back to help more, presumably he would have done that which would have been even better, right? Um, so, um, uh, yeah, okay, <laughs> yes, yes, brave Sir Gandalf ran away, that's exactly it. Um, and then, of course, we know that a further wrench is going to be thrown into their plans when Glorfindel comes from the other direction, right, um, and wrecks their um, ambush at the bridge, right? Um, again, the things that the, um, uh, the things that the, uh, witch king is up against here. So a really good question was, which are the five that encounter that attack the Dell under Weathertop? Um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, right. We, we, we know that four total chase him. The question is which four? Um, Gandalf says he thinks there were five. He's a little bit less clear, right? His five at least came from the West. Um, so a minimum of five, possibly more. Let's assume they're five for now, right? Five ride through town. And and those five ride pell-mell all the way to Weathertop. The other four, therefore, are going cross-country trying to pursue Aragorn and the Hobbits and probably not going an enormous amount faster than they are. Maybe some, but I think probably not all that much faster, not through the marshes and such. So we're imagining these five have gone along the road. Those are the ones that Gandalf fights with, right? Because the other four are coming along behind. Those are the ones that Gandalf fights with. So it's the Witch King and four others who are at Weathertop the first time when Gandalf meets them. and then, But then Gandalf escapes and four of them are sent after. So I think the Witch King sends all four of his folks. I mean, I think this is what we have to think, right? That the, that the Witch King, after the fight with Gandalf, Gandalf gets away, and the Witch King takes all four of the dudes who are with him there and chase him, 
right? Just get that wizard out of the picture. I'll meet up with the other four guys who are coming up behind, right? And we'll try to take care of business here. And that's what ends up happening at uh, Weathertop. Remember that when uh, they get to Weathertop, when Aragorn and the hobbits get to Weathertop and they're looking out, they're looking along the road, recall, right? And they see the um, uh, the Nazgul on the road, like coming in towards it. So not, they weren't already there, right? They're coming in. They've been there before, but they're not, um, they're not still just hanging out there. Um, they're coming. So I think that those are the four, those are like the four that were going cross country who have arrived at Weathertop at almost the same time uh, that Aragorn and the Hobbits did and are now converging on Weathertop. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, Brandon. That's just what I'm thinking. Um, that uh, chasing Gandalf off is probably their best option because while they aren't expecting Gorfindel, they don't want to let a strong member. They don't want to let strong members accrue to the party. It's a disaster as it was. But if Gandalf and Gorfindel were with the party, could they have successfully harried them? Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that I think that Gandalf uh, that you know that they would have just like you know, uh, you know skipped their way gently towards Rivendell thumbing their noses at the Black Riders in that case. But, I mean, Gandalf, Gorfindel, Shadowfax, and Asphaloth, and Aragorn, and the Hobbits, and Bill the Pony against the Nazgul, starting to look like a fairer fight than the Witch King probably wants, right? Especially after the disastrous attack uh, on the De- and the Dell under Weathertop, which did not go at all as planned, and it turns out that he miscalculated, right? He thought the five that were left, remember, five terrified the entire town, like, for days, presumably, right? Um, five were enough to put this pall of terror upon the town of Bree. Surely five of them will be enough to settle that, you know, if they can catch them either at Weathertop or near Weathertop, um, somewhere between there and the bridge, but, you know, they'll, they'll be able to deal with them, finally. And, of course, this would appear to work out. After all of his struggles and difficulties, he finally corners them with what is left of his people um, at Weathertop, and then it all goes sideways again, right? We got the wound in. That was, you know, well, I was going to say kind of a win, less than a complete failure, at least. Um, and um, and off they go. And off they go. Um, so that's why I don't think the Witch King was hanging out at Weathertop when they arrived, because he was going to rendezvous with the others. And that's why they're coming down the road. Uh, towards Weathertop, when they see them from the the top of the hill. Um, So the five that attack the Dell on Weathertop are not the same five who would have attacked Gandalf before. Those, and I too, I forget who said this, I also, yes, Fort Dauntless, I'm imagining that uh, Kamal was, you know, one of the four who, unless Kamal was leading the four who went cross-country, that yes, he sent Kamal after Gandalf seems uh, 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 seems to uh, um, seems to be seems to be likely. Um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Turambar, I agree that the sentence on foot, even Aragorn and Gorfindel together, couldn't withstand the nine on horse, implies that it's close. 
right? That it's it's not like a, a complete no-brainer, right? Even on foot, not even they could do it, right? But add Gandalf, Shadowfax, and you know, it, you know, it yeah, it gets a little closer. Certainly closer than the Witch King is going to want. No question, no question. Um. Uh. So yeah, uh, Calthiel, I, again, I don't think we know for sure where the Witch King went after he sent off the four that were with him to chase Gandalf, but I think he he can't have stayed. I mean, they didn't find him there on Weathertop, or they'd have noticed, presumably, right? So he must have left Weathertop, probably in order to, you know, liaise with the four who were uh, catching up with him. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think that works. I think that, and then, but then again, of course, Gorfindel, you know, so then the Dell of uh, the attack on the Dell under Weathertop fails, and now they're hanging back and they're trying to figure out what to do next. And then the Elf Lord shows up, right? Again with the Noldor. Seriously, there aren't that many Noldor on the continent, but like half of them are running around here, you know, interfering with the Nazgul, um, you know, as if the wizard weren't bad enough. Um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I agree, Tarwell O'Neill, the Noldor always were pests. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, <laughs> right. Green Great Dragon says, but surely the river won't rise against us. Right. Yeah. At least we've got that going for us, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then again, think of it. Despite all this, right, all of this frustration, the Witch King holds it together. It um, it kind of reminds me of um, uh, it kind of reminds me of. Apologies for those of you who don't know this book, but if you don't know this book, I'm not sure that I'm the one who should be apologizing. It reminds me of that scene in Watership Down uh, when General Woonwart is uh, chasing the rabbits out of Ephrafa as they're escaping, uh, you know, bigwigs escape from Ephrafa. Uh, and he is demoralized by the attack of Kehar, but he still manages to, uh, uh, to make a plan and carry it out in the storm under these circumstances. The Witch King kind of performs like he's almost as cool as General Woundwort. Um, think of what he does now. Again, they've been foiled under Weathertop. Now Glorfindel, you know, this elf lord, uh, is in the picture. They've gotten the, the, the hobbits and, and Aragorn have gotten across the bridge, right? But what does he do? He still arranges for an ambush that almost works. The four that got chased off, that got drawn off by the wizard, temporarily come back into play. Almost catastrophically, right? They come, you know, he has them guarding the ford. He comes up with, you know, he marshals the other five. They're coming up the road. So they still manage to catch them, admittedly strengthened by uh, one elf lord plus one elf horse, um, which becomes important. Um, but nevertheless, they manage to trap the, almost trap them in this, like, pincher movement, right? Uh, and, um, uh, and, and then they, but then he, like the elf horse thing, right? So he just escapes. So the four that are coming down don't quite manage to, because they were, they did not see Asphaloth coming, right? Um, they were expecting to be, you know, they set their ambush for hobbits on foot, 
right? They did not calibrate the ambush for elf horses, right? Asphaloth threw them out of their reckoning, it would seem. Uh, so the ambush fails, and he makes the ford, and he crosses the ford. And then um, that, uh, that final, the final confrontation, right? There's the Witch King. Okay, okay. Things have gone very badly, right? But look, I've got him. He's right there. And of course, he can see. The Witch King can see. Frodo is almost in his power, right? Frodo is like, I don't know what percent wraithified by this point, but a significant percent, right? There is heavy wraithification underway that is clear to the Witch King. He can see it with his own incorporeal eyes at that point, right? Um, so he, he knows Frodo is almost in his power. Frodo, on the one hand, has succeeded in crossing the ford, um, and there's no barrier left between him and Rivendell other than distance, right? And he, the Witch King, now has all eight of his dudes back together. So all nine of them are there together. The inconvenient elf lord is now on foot, right? He's now a pedestrian behind, and they can keep ahead of him, right? So he shouldn't be that much of a threat anymore. Um, and anyway, yes, now the Hobbit has an unexpectedly fast horse, but he's spiritually knackered, right? I mean, they call him and he stops. He can't get away. The Witch King can see that he can't get away. So after everything, he's finally won. Finally won against all these odds, right? Almost every plan that he made, which were all sensible plans at the time, almost all of them failed. Um, and yet, here he is, in a position of strength at last, crossing the ford with all eight of his supporters right behind him, and the ring bearer isolated from all support, no wizard, no elf lord, not within, anyway, many yards. Of, of the, and he's on foot anyway, right? So we can get away. And he's got him. Right. And so he rides out into the fort and we see his confidence. We see his arrogance. Right. As he calls out to Frodo and he breaks his sword, uh, you know, with his mind or however he does it, it with his will, he shatters Frodo's sword, um, which, remember, is a barrow blade. One of those, you know, that is, uh, uh, you know, set about uh, with, uh, you know, spells for the downfall of Angmar, um, shatters it with his brain. Uh, and uh, calls on Frodo to come. So I think that's exactly it, Fourth Dauntless. He has caught Frodo. God willing, and the crick don't rise. <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then... Uh, bam. The river. Now remember, crossing rivers is a big deal. This is another act of courage on the Witch King's part. Right. The crossings of the river. It's a big deal. Crossing rivers. Big deal. Right. We know that um, there are lots of fairy associations with the crossing of running water. Um, we've looked at that before. Some um, evidence that the crossing of rivers is awkward uh, for the ringwraiths. Um, and there they are in the river, not just any river. This is the river of Rivendell. And I'm going to bet the Witch King can tell that. 
right? I mean, he still doesn't see the flood coming, right? That still takes him by surprise. Um, but, um, uh, but he has got to be able to tell. This is a boundary. It's a, I mean, we looked at that in the fight to the Ford moment. Like, the, the crossing of the boundary is, is significant. It's important. It's a big deal. Um, and surely he can sense that. He is crossing into the center of Elrond's power. Remember, evil things do not come into this valley. Right? It's a boundary that means something. And here he is crossing it. Right? Um, defiantly. And then... Bam. Yeah. Gilgonther says he's getting a mental image of the Witch King as Wild E. Coyote here. Every plan blowing up in his face. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sam says, I am at this point fully convinced that the Witch King is the Third Age equivalent of Turin Turambar. Something like that. Something like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, Rowan, uh, Gorfindel was there um, when the Witch King was ousted from Angmar. Remember, that's when he made the prophecy about the which, uh, the, uh, uh, which the Witch King heard, seemingly. Um, uh, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, he might even recognize him. I mean, it's, it's not even just like, you know, good grief, another Noldor, but like that guy. Really? Come, seriously? I mean, again, he can't be totally shocked. Like, he's got to know that he lives in the neighborhood, right? Um, but um, but again, like, this has got to be something, not something like, this has to be quite literally his worst-case scenario. Like, the worst-case scenario is that the ring makes it to Rivendell. He's got to know Rivendell. He knows Rivendell from Angmar days. Um, at least, you know, by repute, at the minimum. But which, you know, Rivendell was besieged by the armies of Sauron. Um, I've I, I got to think that he's got to be uh, familiar. Um, but again, this is so like now that hobbits are not only, I mean, like first they pick up this guy in the inn, right? And now like uh, really this like Noldor hero from the old wars is, uh, is there like the dude that prophesied you know, that no living man would destroy me, you know, is now with them. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Forthauntless points out that uh, it is uh, striking that the Nazgore are subject uh, to some of the same rules as Dracula. Uh, difficulties with running water and less powerful under daylight. Yeah, yeah, no, that's not a that's not a it's not an accident. I don't mean that there's any reference in either direction. I just mean that both of them are are are, are based on the same uh, sort of set of you know fairy legends and folk legends. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it is a fairy thing. Exactly, exactly. Um, I, the evidence does suggest that Gorfindel's prophecy adds to the Witch King's confidence, but I don't think that that means he's happy to see him. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, sure. I mean, confidence he has. The Witch King does have confidence. And, um, um, you know, boy does he need it. 
during this whole sequence, right? Um, so everything just, well, I was going to say everything started going wrong when the, when the wizard shows up out of nowhere. Um, but, um, uh, but yeah, so why do they, uh, why do they attack Gandalf? There's another reason, of course, why they might attack Gandalf um, at Weathertop. Apart from the whole, let's not let him join up with them. Let's let's keep these separated here in the wilderness. Thanks very much. That I don't doubt is a factor as well. But also, they don't know for sure where Frodo is. Is it possible that Gandalf did do a scoop and carry? Could he have the Hobbit with him? And here I can't help but remember that in the early drafts, Gandalf did have a Hobbit with him on this ride. That he brought the great Hamilcar, that is, excuse me, Fatty Bulger. Fatty Bulger, whose original name was Hamilcar, which is awesome because it means that his nickname was Hammy. Uh, which I kind of love, actually. But it's okay. Um, and Odo, yeah, Odo makes an appearance too. Um, sometimes it was Odo, sometimes it was Hammy. Um, but, uh, but like, so Fatty Bulger gets picked up by Gandalf and used as a decoy. So like Gandalf is riding past the Black Riders in Bree and he's like, I've got the Hobbit right now. Off he goes. Um, so, um, 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 yeah, Hamilcar named after Hannibal's father, Angrist. Absolutely. Yeah. Hamilcar. Um, that's it. That's it. Um, but, um, anyway, yeah. So, so he, um. It is, they, I think they have to rule out the possibility that the wizard who has suddenly come pelting into this whole scenario is not, in fact, in possession of the Hobbit, whom they are not completely... Sh I mean, they know that they were in Bree. Their spies tell them that they were in Bree. Their spies also tell them that they failed to kidnap them, right? And they said that they saw them leaving the next day. Okay, what happened to them then? Where did they go? You know, is it possible that they, like, did a double back or, you know, hit off and that, that they sent the other hobbits' decoys across country while the other one waited for Gandalf? Because this wizard shows up, what is that, a coincidence? Right? This looks like a plot. Right? This was probably the plan all along. That, that you know, this Strider dude takes the other, you know, the red shirt hobbits off into the wilderness on a decoy mission uh, while Gandalf comes and takes the handoff and, and, and plows straight away towards Rivendell, right? I mean, like, what could be more plausible than that? Um, so they've got to rule out that he's got the Hobbit. Um, and this, I suspect, is another reason why they don't, like, they don't seem to fight to the death. They closed round at night and I was besieged on the hilltop. I was hard put to it indeed. Um, but they don't kill him. He doesn't kill them. Right? They they fight to a draw that night, and then they let him go. Um, and again, it would make sense. Um, it would make sense that they would do that if, in the course of the attack, the Witch King were able to ascertain. Okay, yeah, no, he doesn't have the ring bearer with him. Right? This is a this is a solitary wizard. Right? 
doubtless an inconvenient variable in this equation that suddenly popped up. So let's remove him if we possibly could. We've got to isolate that variable, right? Get him over to the other side of the equation. But, um, um, but he, um, he, he clearly does not have the ring bearer in his possession, right? Um, so, I mean, if you think about it, what film Arwen does in fact do with Frodo is kind of more or less exactly what the Witch King seems to be worried that Gandalf might have done, in a sense. Not like at Weathertop after the attack, but um, the whole scoop and dash thing. Um, it's possible that they're worried that Gandalf is going to take and claim the ring, but I, I'm not sure if that's their primary concern. I mean, I, I, I got to think that they know that Gandalf knows, right? Gandalf seems to have not taken the ring already for whatever reason, which doubtless they cannot understand. Um, I wouldn't doubt that they think him quite a fool, just like Saruman does for doing that. But I would think they would already know that Gandalf at least has not done so yet. Um, but who knows, like, how this fits in with his plans. Gandalf's plans, I mean. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, Linda, yeah, I was, uh, I was, I decided not to try to make a moon, a moons over my hammy joke there as well. Yeah, I thought of that, but I, I decided to withdraw from that particular field of puns. Um, do the Nazgul know about the ring? Yes, remember, the ring, the ring, they say in the fort. Yep, they absolutely and explicitly know about it. Um, but I, I don't think they can take it. Like, their plan is to take Frodo with the ring back to Mordor. Um, to Mordor, we will take you, right, is the plan. Not hand over the ring and, work, you know, you're about to die, you know... Uh, uh, you know, they do not say to Frodo, you know, no, Mr. Baggins, I expect you to die, right? That's that's not what they expect. Um, they're going to take him. He is going to continue to be the ring bearer, right? He is going to fulfill his quest uh, in a horrible and twisted way. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, don't the Nazgul think that Gandalf is held by Saruman until he shows up here? I'm forgetting the timing, but yes, I think. Sorry, somebody check the dates. I get it. I get it fuzzy in my head. Saruman would have reported Gandalf's capture. Where is that in relationship? to, um, where is that in relationship to, uh, the departure of the Nazgul? Unfinished Tales placed Gandalf at Orthanc when the Nine went there. Right. So, Unfinished Tales says that Gandalf was upstairs when the Nazgul came through. Right, the Nazgul crossed the Fords of Eisen later on the day after Gandalf escaped. Okay. 
Yeah, I think Tolkien is playing with the timelines here a little bit. This is one reason, by the way, why... I don't want to go so far as to say that I distrust the day-by-day chronology of Appendix B. But I will say my faith in it is imperfect. It is clear from the manuscript evidence that Appendix B is... I almost said Gandalf's attempt. Tolkien's attempt, after the fact, to try to finalize and perfect the... um, It's like reconciliation of the timelines. He had a heck of a time. Um, And he kept having to add days here and there and subtract in order to make everything work out. It was hard when the events of the plot were unfolding in ways that he didn't know or understand and like he had to continually balance and, and, and readjust and fix things. Um, he was doing a lot of balancing and shifting um, as he went along. Once everything was done, he goes through and does Appendix B and seems to try to like reconcile everything. But the problem is, I am not convinced that everything in the reconciled date calendar of, of Appendix B actually fits perfectly the entire narrative. I think there are some places where he's kind of implicitly tweaking the narrative, where there's actual contradiction between the story as it's described, or at least as it's implied, and the actual Appendix B. So that's why I'm a little bit... That's why I have not been making charts of Appendix B, and Flamifer, you will have noticed, I'm a little bit resistant sometimes uh, to bringing the Appendix B in as precisely authoritative. Um, And of course, in Unfinished Tales, we see him continuing not just to attempt to reconcile details, but to develop the story further, right? And to explain the story further. So... It's um, it's tricky, and it would have involved. I mean, not only the work that he was doing in Unfinished Tales, certainly, but even in Appendix B. In order to perfect Appendix B, he'd have had to make revisions to the text as he did it, and he didn't do that. It was already published, right? Um, so, uh, it's uh, yeah. And Flammerfer, that's a really excellent question. It says that Appendix B certainly gives problems with the previous narrative. The question is, why did Tolkien create these problems? Um, I think he was trying to help. Tolkien liked timelines. I mean, this mattered to him. I think that the ways in which the narrative... um, I think the ways in which the narrative... It was so complicated trying to adjust it and readjust it and like in different like versions of different chapters and to go through and make sure that the complete, you know, manuscript that he has contains the corrected versions of each one of the passages. And remember, he's not got a word processor here, right? So this is a complicated process involving sheets of paper, um, uh, you know, already written over in lots of different directions. Really hard to keep all that together perfectly. Much easier, after it's completed and and parts of it already published, um, to go through and write up Appendix B. So his his drive 
to write up Appendix B. Honestly, I kind of put it down to, um, uh, I kind of put it down to his neatness impulse, right? His desire to, uh, have everything set down fair and square with no contradictions. Um, he wanted to finish the job of smoothing out the timeline and making everything work. In the end, there are places where there is tension. I'll put it that way, where there is tension between the timeline in Appendix B and the details in the narrative. Tolkien was himself, I think, not bothered by that exactly. Uh, Glorfinthalian, that is exactly what I was going to say. I think that one of the reasons why Tolkien could sleep at night despite the fact that there was this tension between the Appendix B uh, timelines and the narrative, is this is the world that he lived in, right? Um, you can chalk it up to manuscript variants, which, of course, was literally true. Like, he had multiple variants of his own manuscript, right? But, yeah, I'd be like, it's, you know, yeah. If uh, it's okay. If it doesn't all work out, that's fine. So that's why I think when it comes... So Flamifer, again, coming back to your question, why do Appendix B at all? Why create these problems? Because he has a choice of two problems, right? There are two imperfect outcomes. Outcome number one, no Appendix B, right? Don't, don't, don't write Appendix B. Um, just leave the narrative as it is, where the chronology is n- imperfectly fleshed out, right? And that was clearly nagging at him, and he wanted that done, right? But at least there's no tension, Right? There's no bigger problem that, he, that he's created by doing this. Right? Or option B. You write Appendix B, and you have one version which you are confident. So you can go to the bank right, and say, okay, Appendix B, so mote it be. That's the chronology. Even though it no longer fits with... So on the one hand, you've got no really good chronology, no really consistent chronology but at least a consistent narrative. Or on the other hand, you've got a good chronology, but tensions with the narrative. Which suboptimal situation does Tolkien, the author, prefer? Answer, option B. Um, at least it exists. At least he's, it's there. He's got it. It's worked out. And if there are tensions, hey, those can be explained away. Exactly uh, as I always forget how to pronounce your name, Glorfinthalian suggested, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, it's all, uh, it's all, uh, it's all in, it's all in Findigil. Um, uh, the Lord of the Rings. So, yeah, no, the publication was so uh, they were waiting on the return of the king when he was working on the appendices. Remember, there was a delay um, in the publication of the Return of the King. Um, you know, Sam falls unconscious, uh, you know, up in the pass of uh, Kirithungal, uh, and, you know, the real-time fans had to wait a considerable period. Uh, not like George R. R. Martin-scale periods, but they had to wait uh, what felt, I, I have no doubt, a very uncomfortable time to find out what happened to the poor comatose Sam uh, right um, uh, up there. Um, but... Um, Return of the King, or sorry, the, the Fellowship of the Ring and the Two Towers were out there, and the cause of that delay, the reason that the Return of the King, was he was still tinkering with the appendix. I'm not saying he was tinkering all with Appendix B, 
but he was still tinkering with the appendices. So he was still working on the appendices after the first volumes had already been um, had already been begun to be to be published. Um, so uh, anyway, so I, I'm not saying that like it was all all three volumes were published and then he did it. That that's not it. But again, he was he was committed. <laughs> he was already committed to the narrative. It was too late. Um, in some cases, I'm sure, uh, to go back and fix everything. Um, some of it had been published already uh, and was already in the hands of the increasingly impatient readers, right? And so he just had to he just had to put it out there. So in part, I think he was kind of settling for an imperfect solution. Um, it's clear that he was not happy with the appendix, um, that he felt that the appendix kind of pleased nobody, right? It neither gave as much as he wanted to, uh, nor... You know, if there were no appendix, then the book could have come out promptly. If he had taken more time, he could have put more into the appendix um, and then he would have been happier. And all of us, I think, in, you know, in the end would have been happier, um, though I can't begrudge the people. Again, I can't even imagine the poor folks uh, there, you know, in the 50s who were reading them live um, uh, in that delay. But anyhow, so I, I, I don't grudge them the Return of the King coming out sooner. Um, but um, anyway, anyway, so but but again, I think that the, the tensions between those two chronologies, um, for exactly the reason that uh, Glorfinthalian was suggesting, seems to me is not going to bother him. Ultimately, he's he's fine going there um, because, you know, he's got the he's got the frame. He's got the frame, you know, the the prologue frame, um, you know, the. Uh, uh, you know, a note on Shire Records frame um, uh, for the narrative, which, you know, covers uh, covers a lot of things. Is this when Tolkien was inspired to write Leaf by Niggle? Uh, it's, it, I, I, I think it was a little bit earlier. I don't think that was an appendix issue. Um, I think that was, um, and I don't remember the dates. I'm trying to remember the exact date of Leaf by Niggle. I don't. If somebody can remember exactly when Leaf by Niggle were was first published, uh, that would be good. Um, but I think it was when he thought that it wasn't going to get published at all. Um, 45? Okay, thanks, thanks. Uh, yeah, 45. So, so significantly earlier. And in that period, when he had a great deal of The Lord of the Rings written, um, but it was not at all clear. He'd already... Remember there was that time when he was flirting with HarperCollins, right? It's when he wrote the letter to Milton Waldman, the famous, big, huge, enormous letter to Milton Waldman, which is so wonderful. Um, you know, he was flirting with another publisher. He was going to leave, uh, you know, his old publisher behind um, because the new, because the old publisher had already said no to the Silmarillion and he was hoping to get the new guy to publish um, the Silmarillion and it, that's why the letter to Milton Waldman exists because he's trying to convince them you need the whole deal, right? You want to publish the Lord of the Rings and the Silmarillion all in one enormous like 4,000 page volume. Isn't that what you want, man? Um, and Milton Waldman shockingly in the end said no. No, that was not right. Um, uh, but at that time, he had said no to the other to, to, uh, uh, to his old publisher 
the new publisher had now said no to him. And so it now looked like nothing was going to happen of it. You know, and like, so I think it was right around in that time when he was doing all this stuff and it was not clear that any of it was ever going to get published. I think that's when he wrote Leaf by Niggle. Um, um, yeah, no, uh, Harper Collins is the British publisher. It's Houghton Mifflin. That's the American publisher. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's, yeah, that's Houghton Mifflin you're thinking of, uh, Brandon. Um, yeah, good. JJ is quoting that line about, uh, from his letter of 1955, talk, wishing now that no appendices had been promised, uh, and talking about how their appearance in truncated and compressed form will satisfy nobody. Uh, you can tell that's exactly the passage I was just thinking of when I was talking about that, JJ. Very good. Thank you. Okay. Um, so, uh, Well, that was a lot. Um, that was really fun. I've never really finished. I, I, I knew that this was on the horizon last time. Um, and I've been really looking forward to thinking through this whole situation from the Witch King's perspective in the way that we've been doing tonight, taking Gandalf's story and, uh, uh, and working through. Um, yeah, I do believe that HarperCollins did buy Alan and Unwin at some point. Alan and Unwin, of course, were the old publishers. Um, uh, uh, those are the ones that he'd been working with. Those are the ones who published The Hobbit. Um, and, uh, uh, and of course, that he finally was reconciled to. And that was the eucatastrophe for Tolkien, right? When HarperCollins and Milton Waldman in the end said no, um, and it looked like nothing was going to happen at all, um, he talked to Stanley Unwin again, and Unwin said, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, just the Lord of the Rings, though. Just the, not the Silmarillion, just the Lord of the Rings. And this time Tolkien was like, heck yeah, fucking, let's do it. And yes, Rainer Unwin, Stanley Unwin's son, uh, uh, the one who was eight when he was the original, uh, uh, you know, uh, audience, uh, sort of test audience, uh, right, uh, for the publisher, for The Hobbit. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, was still working with him. And it was Rainer who did uh, bring Tolkien in again. Um, to, for the publication of the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah. Um, what's our class count on the Council of Elrond? I think we have hit a year by the calendar, Fourth Dauntless. I'm pretty sure. Wasn't it? It was January last year that we were doing it. I'm pretty, I mean, we've only done, this is class number 48 in our discussion of, so we've not done 52 class, but of course we had to skip some weeks. Uh, for different purposes here and there. But yeah, this is the 48th class uh, on the... But I'm pretty sure it is. It was early December, I thought so. Yeah, it's. I, I was pretty sure we're over, well over a calendar year uh, since we first began uh, the uh, Council of Elrond. Uh, that makes sense. Because yeah, there's a bunch of weeks that we've skipped along the way. Yep, yep, that's right. Okay, well, I am not going to attempt. So I've, we we did... We did a discussion board slide and a whole slide here tonight. So that was still a lot that we accomplished. Um, we've got two more slides before Gandalf stops talking. I'm pretty confident next week that we'll get through that. It's going to be awesome. Um, uh, but Gandalf is practically done with his narrative now. It's, 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 it's just about all over. Um, so uh, anyway... Thanks everybody for joining me tonight. We're gonna stick around, uh, stick around with us, and we'll do the uh, uh, we'll do our field trip. Um, 
but uh, we shall bring to an end now our uh, um, our narrative discussion. Let's see. Hang on. There we go. Yeah. No. Go away. Little stupid <laughs> Windows message. Okay. All right. There we go. All right. All right. Good evening, sir. Good evening, Valori. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. Excellent. Well, I think tonight we're headed back to Blumgard, and from yep. there we're going to head. So I'm just looking at the map here again for a second. Not that map. Not that map. But. Um, Pony and never mind. I'll just keep going out until I get there. Um, Ravanian map. Fields of Anduin. Here we go. Okay, here we are. So we're gonna head back to uh, uh, to here to Blomgard because that's the closest I can get to it. And then we're gonna ride just down the road here because we finished exploring this whole area up here. And we're going to gallop down to Duskenvale and check out the village down here, whatever this place is on the way to, on the road to Lothlorien. It's the only part mm -hmm. of this area that we haven't seen. Then we'll go back across the river and up towards Ross Goble. Don't know if we'll get to Ross Goble tonight or not, um, but um, but that's going to be the plan. Mm-hmm. All right. Excellent. So, and I think I've got yeah, I still have Blumgard on my milestone here. Um, let me reinvite you again. Ooh, just made it before I vanished. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Meet everyone in Bloombar and then I'll, uh... There we go. Oh, no. Wrong one. Oh, no. Did you go to the wrong town? I went to the wrong one. I'm in Mordor. <laughs> oh, well... Um, that's uh, close. Boy. Right side of the mountains. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh darn it. How do I get there now? <laughs> <sighs> and you stable master? Uh, yeah, I think Gondor's... Well, which side am I supposed to be on? Would Gondor minister or have it? Maybe I have no idea. I'm, I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done that in a while. Yeah, no, that's an easy mistake to make. And you've got what, like a thirty-minute cooldown on your uh, on your milestone? Fifty minute cooldown. Fifty yeah. minute. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Lovely, 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 jovely. Yeah. Yeah. So how about them Packers? <laughs> oh man. Uh, um. Yeah, I was sad. I was a little sad, yeah. I have to admit. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, but, uh, you know. I feel this pain. I'm a fan of the Bills. Yeah, that was even more sad. That's who I was cheering yeah. for, personally. But uh, What's really funny is I mod for a streamer whose real name is Josh Allen. It's not the football player. <laughs> no relation? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no relation. relation. Yeah, yeah. So no. it's funny when that guy trends worldwide on Twitter. We're like, Josh. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're yeah. all about you. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I am exactly. having a time getting there. I'm so sorry. Uh, I don't suppose anyone I, has can a I, summons. Can I rally horn you? 
What happens? Yeah, I mean, with that work, that might work better. It should work, yeah. I've got a rally horn, I think. What do I do? I just blow it? Yeah, right click it, and it should ask you whom you want to invite. All right, there we go. Great. I'm going to invite Linus. There we go. I'm blowing my horn. I've been, yes. I've been, I've been keeping that rally horn against just such an occasion. I shall not fail your call. There we go. Excellent. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. And Valori, could you please add me to the uh, fellowship and add me to the yeah? What name? What what handle? Kiresa, are you on right now? the one in red. Kiresa. Yeah. There we go. Uh, got to convert to rage. There we go. Frumius Bujum said the Great Council convenes was December 10th, 2019. That was... Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Um, sounds about right. we started Council of Elrond. And we gotta... I have to... I have to even this out a bit. Uh, okay. I think we're... I think we're quite balanced there. Cool. All right. All right. Let's head out and see what we see. So tonight I'm going to try to stick to the road because the road should take us there, right? Nor Unless we see anything cool. Right. Normally I go herring off across country, but that seems unlikely. So let's... Because I'm not charging off to see the river this time. Right? Yeah. There's the lowlands across the way. Oh, mountains are looking nice tonight. Yes, they are. Looking less misty than usual. <laughs> Wait, now entering the Gladden Fields? Where were we before? Just Blomgard? Yeah, just Blomgard, and this okay. is Gladden Fields. Okay. All right. Fine. All right, we got some willows down there. Yeah. That's yep. good. Yeah. Okay. Now we've definitely, not, I've definitely not been this far uh, down this way. I mean, without jumping. Yeah, out we, we always run across the river. Right. Right. Okay. Hey, oh Shigoki, I see we we uh, we missed you. Um, if you uh, if you just head down to wait, what's it called again? The town that we're going to? Blomgard. No, that's or where Duskenvale. we left. Oh, we Duskenvale. just left. Duskenvale. Yeah, if you head down to Duskenvale, yes. you can catch up with us there. Uh, Bostar, yes. B-O-S-T-A-R, uh, Valori is the. Yes, if field. you can shoot shoot Linus an IM. Yes. Ooh, parchment. Old elven parchment, huh? Yes. Alinta ilume vali mayase, yet swifter is the blessed flood, ilia nivalmai kolar earena, that carries all woes to the sea. Swifter is the blessed flood that carries. So, wh why, why are there pages of old, you know, of like Quenya poetry lying around here? Yeah, Quentin, of all things. How long are they meant to have been lying here? On paper. I wonder if it's like that parchment made out of, like, you know, special stuff or something. It's a yeah. fairly recent game mechanic called The Lost Lore. It starts in Mordor, so Wigan will be able to see these. When right, I remember finding some random pages of stuff. I started yeah, uh, yeah. Wigan did a couple of those, but I know he's not going to be able to finish them, whereas, like, Grifflet will certainly not be content until he hunts out every scrap of paper floating around Mordor. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah, so they just, it, that's just, like, it just becomes a thing, like, everywhere? Yeah. Um, well, well, big stuff. 
Huh. Uh-oh, invisible guards again? Yeah, that's... A Are we no going to be attacked by invisible bears again? No, you're over level. You won't get killed. Okay. Notice she says I won't get killed. She doesn't promise I won't get attacked. Okay, there's so... still invisible weapons hanging in well, there. Wait, there are? Where? I didn't see them. I know. Are there? Oh, they are on my screen. My yeah, screen, they're invisible. If you see under the nameplate, you can see their axes. Oh, what? There are axes yeah. there. Oh, yeah. So I, I have name, floating names off, so I didn't see the, Bjorn, oh, okay. yeah, the invisible Bjorn. Oh, man. I'm getting flashbacks Bjorn the last time yeah. already. <laughs> Oh, floating axes in invisible hands. Um, uh-huh. Uh, yeah, that's rough. Let's, Howdy, friends. Let's hope he just stays friendly. Okay, so... Yep. Th- is this dude a Bjorning? He's a Bjorning? Uh, I, I so- sounds Bjorning-ish. Okay. He's got pants, though. I don't know if that counts. Yeah, he does have pants. I was noticing that. And oh no, 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 no! He's from Blomgard. Look at that. He's got one of the things. Oh, yep, yep, yep. He must be like uh, he must be, you know, I don't know, a merchant or like uh, DoorDash or whatever. You know, he's doing Grub, here. Grubhub. Yeah, exactly. He's gr- the Grubhub. Except they're bare, so it's literal grubs. <laughs> right, right, right. Actual sacks full of grubs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that must be it. Um, because yeah, no, he's got the. For, I first noticed the like little bosses on his uh, on his cloak and on his hat there, mm-hmm. but then yeah, it's a dead giveaway that little uh, that little thing. Yep. But there's an elf here in in this little encampment. Well, is there? Yep, just one. Okay. Oh, who's attacking us? Orcs. Yes. What is wrong with them? That's why there's. Well, that's why the guards there. We just have to wonder whether the the guards are going to turn off once they're right. Is, are is the guard doing anything? Is he just remaining there, being intimidatingly invisible? Where did he go? He's gone. Where's his floating axe? That's camouflage. <laughs> is this flo- oh, there he is! Whoa! He just like wham! There it is. Okay. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. There is an elf in here. Oh, right over here. Okay, I think we can dismount. Yeah. We're already in the encampment. We're pretty close. We're halfway. Okay, fine. All right, so what do we have here? Um, these Are these the ones who ordered takeout? Or Yep. Okay, so we've got one elf lady. Baradal. What's up with her armor? This, like... You know. House Carl to Lady Arwen. Really? I am here at the behest of Lord Elrond, and the wedding party will pass this way soon. Oh, I am she is... I am to make way for Lady Arwen. Sent on ahead from Rivendell. So she's uh, in a later time layer. Because mm-hmm. we're level 130, so we're past that now. Right. Yep. That's what happens when you skip levels, right? You just you just lose track of where you are meant to be in the chronology. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got yeah. it. <laughs> Got it. Right. Spoiler alert. Yep. Arwen and Aragorn get married. Oops. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> um, okay. So, and then, so who's... Just a Bjorning. Okay. So this these are, these are the locals, and she's... Visiting. 
Okay, well, this guy has pants, too, but I don't see one of the wooden huh. things. Okay, well, he says he's Bjorning, and he's got the face paint, so. Yeah. Are they wearing pants now? Was that in fashion? I guess so. It wasn't when my Bjorning was made. All the cool Bjornings are wearing pants now. They, nowadays. It's no, all the rage. No. Let's see what happens when you leave the, the valley. Everything changes on you. Yeah. Okay. They nope, start box. Open box. They start eating meat Full too. Of, it's ham. They have hams? That is. Uh, yeah. Grandpa would not approve. That is a lot of ham. My goodness. Yeah. Wasn't Grandpa a vegetarian? Um Yeah. Yeah, Grandpa seems to have been vegetarian. question is what they is so like i don't know it's the youngsters rebelling perhaps possibly so possibly so yeah. That's... all right okay let's i'm gonna sneak past this axe and hope for the best and that axe oh my goodness okay <laughs> I know, right? all the floating axes hang on who's up the hill oh that doesn't look good uh, more Bernie stuff. That doesn't look good. We have Dus Duskenvale. This this is it? Nope. No. This nope. is along the way. We're in the Duskenvale. But yeah, I thought this looked like an orc camp from a distance. Who are these guys? Braufulog warriors and other warriors and various and sundry um archers. And other warriors, okay, some of which have hats and some of which do not. Okay, so I wanted to hang on. First, I'm going to summon my cat, and then I'm just going to go through. So, okay. What? Yeah, well, you know, ah. it's fine. What I noticed is that when I run into orc camps like this, they all just seem to die. Ooh. Magically. They've constructed hutments. Look at this, like out oh. of stone. No, those look like the ones we saw in Blomgard. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Not exactly, though, because A, they have doors. And B, look okay. at this. So this skull. I'm trying to figure out if this skull is worked into the stone from the beginning or if it is a later aesthetic addition hmm. added on. By, you know, hmm. It is really hard to imagine them actually building these. The huts. Huh. I mean, I don't ever remember seeing orcs doing such a thing. They've certainly gotten a lot of supplies. Oh, look. They did order from Grubhub. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yep. Um... Those fire ends are like those sausages wrapped in wax or something. Like the really fancy one that come with that white powdery stuff on the outside. Yeah. I don't know. I prefer not to speculate because I doubt that, you know, it's like the, the sausage made from I dare not guess what creature. Um, which I, Well, that's all sausage. I was going to say, yeah. Let's actually not even talk about that anymore. But um, <laughs> the... the 
Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just got a skull stuck on top, like, you know, this is ours now kind of thing, you know? Just yeah. Does not strike me as usual. No, I agree. I agree. These I mean, were like grain stores? All of the. Yeah, more random bones. Like, that's a femur protruding. Like, they just stuffed it into the door jam there. That's really... That's like how my kids hide candy wrappers in the couch. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. They just don't want to get up and throw it away. Right. Oh, snakes it's on like, sticks. Like, oh, there's a hole. I'll stick the bone in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out at what age do your kids stop handing you trash? Um, that's I, I still haven't reached it yet. My oldest is 17. I, think, I still yeah. get handed trash. I think it's when you physically can't get to the trash anymore. Like, that's my only hope at this point. <laughs> right. Right. Um, uh, more snake on a stick. More, more snakes on a stick. More, yeah, yeah. yeah. More actual grubs from Grubhub. I can't imagine that the orcs made these. I can't imagine. No. I They're mean, too well done. Yeah, I mean, it's not that I don't think the orcs have the technology to be able to handle this kind of a hutment. Were they, in fact, inspired to make hutments of this kind? But they look too old, not the orcs, the hutments, look too old. Yep. Um, these do not look new, and I can't imagine these orcs have lived here for centuries. No. Um, that is probably not true. The, Unless they look like the granaries from Lonegard. A little bit. A little bit. So if that's the case, then this would be what? A um uh Oh, a defiler. What have you uh, got storage there, silo? Uh, like this is some sort of What's he got on his back? Famine a pair prevention? Of boots? Sorry, I was looking at the defiler there for a second. Um Possibly. I mean, it's the food is all stored like outside it rather than. Here. Doesn't mean these guys know how to use it properly, or maybe they already ate what was inside. Right. Yeah. So, what do you? So, orc huts or primeval dwellings of the ancient people who lived here. Mm. It's they're yeah. mo they're much more crude than the hobbit holes, so they would clearly predate Smeagol at all. Hmm. I'm trying to remember. Uh, there's There are the little um, sheds, right, um, that we saw yeah. in Blumgard, as you say. I agree, JJ, it isn't necessary to believe that these are, that they predate the Hobbit holes. Um, yeah. Uh, I know the answer's that, in Duskenville. Yeah. Well, okay, let's keep going. Let's keep going and figure out. See if we can figure this out. See if we get any more hints from Duskenville itself. Okay. We're pretty close to it, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Huh. Orcs were. Wonder what that rings for. Goats. Yeah, I have no idea. There's what some that sort of ring over here. Has a quest ring there. Yeah. Oh no! A quest ring over Ambushers. Here. It's okay. 
Oh. They're having fun running along behind me. Um, ah, yes. Some sort of misty veil over there. Yeah. I'm thinking we're going to run into the hunter again. It is getting all misty here. Hmm. Let's see. How close? We're, well, we're Whoa, close to Lothlorien, but we're not that close to Lothlorien. No. This is nice. I, I can see, see why it's that. called Duskin Vale, though. It always seems like Duskin, this kind of cloud cover. Yeah. Is it a... Oh, it's a crow. This is like... <laughs> it's like Bull Run on a wet day. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Every time you drive by, it's like it's got its own micro-climb the minute you get over that oh, one... Yeah. That, that one part of the road, everything just becomes engulfed in fog and cloud. Right, right. Oh, next next world is loading. All right, yeah. Uh, Emily says she thinks the ring is where Arwen's, um, you know, housemaid or whatever shows up. Oh, okay. Brother Quest. Oh, here we are. Oh, bless you. Thank you. Just doing tight. Okay, so we've got stone walls. Ah, there we are. Look at that. Yep, yep, yep. A classic wooden statue. So we clearly have the same culture, so that'll be an interesting point of comparison. Let's see if we yep. see any similar hutments. We have the green wood, so they seem to have the same kind of algae problem or whatever. Very mossy. Well, especially in this damp, I should think so. Right, yeah, with all the mist. That's hardly a surprise, I suppose. Um, okay. Um, okay, random oven. Lots of supplies in crates of a much mm -hmm. more appetizing sort. Heavily detailed crests on their chests. Yeah, yeah, just like we saw with the from the Grubhub delivery guy. Mm -hmm. And they've got the belt icons there all three of them no nope. uh -huh. this guy doesn't have one what's wrong with him huh they trust this guy <laughs> pretty sus as my children would say <laughs> he seems important though he has his own plaid this guy Mr. Supply. Yeah, look. Yeah. He's he's got a he's got his own tartan pattern. I don't know. I don't trust. Oh him. man, look at the spread over here. We got prime rib and turkey and some sort of vegetable stew. Oh, I miss I missed the meat stuffs. Yeah, you're right. Oh yeah, that looks like a good prime rib. It does. Huh. Well, but no little talisman. So can he really no. be up to any good? I don't think so. Let's see how about this. See, well, she's supplier indicates one. he's not from around here. Maybe not. He's got it around his neck. Yeah, Your lynx is killing the sheep. My oh, lynx no. is killing the sheep. Knock yeah. it off. 
It's gonna get you kicked <laughs> out, man. That's a sheep rude, killer. man. That's rude. So this guy is the same plaid. I wonder if they're related. I can't. I can't banish my my links. So you put him on peaceful. Oh, I put guess him I on could don't do that. kill the sheep. <laughs> don't kill the sheep. You could right click his name and dismiss him there. Yeah, that would be if I could right click. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's my problem. That's okay. Well, you know, I can't say. Let's see. What's the? Let's return to master. What's the? Uh, peaceful mode passive mode passive yep there we go okay passive mode it'll only attack sheep if the sheep attack you first (laughs) right which now i can't rule out because now these sheep over here are going to be like you killed my father (laughs) okay yeah exactly okay so very similar to blumgard all round um I think it's even greener than Blumgard. And okay, no, there's the windows. I was gonna say, looking at this house, I'm like, I don't see the windows. There, there they are. There's the windows that we were noticing. Yep. The nice, yep, sort of, sort of upper scale windows there. Blue bottle glasses. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and same old. So similar marks of the Bjorning culture that we saw over there. Who's up the hill? Somebody's outhouse? No, somebody's tower. But I I noticed they don't have the stone granaries that Blomgarten has, so I'm wondering if the ones at the orcs are like they took all their food supply. Yeah, I'm wondering. I mean, I was noticing that too. Is that a silo? Where? Right, uh, um, I don't know. Oh, yeah, looks like a silo or a watchtower. No, because it's got a silo because it's got the, it's got the, the arm and a pulley. Oh, that's right. It does have the pulley out there. Top load the silo. Why does it have a roof under that, though? Well, it's inconveniently located, truly. I think they must have built the extension out, and then, you know, like, they're like, hey, let's build a living living quarters with the silo. We practically live here anyway. (laughs) Practically live here anyway. And the doorway is really small. If we build a... If we build a house under the silo true it will prevent us from accessing the silo anymore but it'll be in every other way so much more convenient yeah makes me think maybe it's not a silo anymore i think so maybe it's been repurposed maybe it's a converted watchtower now because the only thing that could go through there is probably messages i think it's a former silo that's now a trendy art uh artsy uh studio apartment Oh, yeah, the kind with the bathroom down the hall, and mm-hmm. you have to live on a futon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you find in an old converted mill building and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exposed brick. Yep. Love it. I think that's probably what that silo is. Um, <laughs> that uh, that old lady standing in front of it looked, you know, fairly hipster, I, I think. Not really. She, she rented uh, out to the college kids. Yeah, probably so. That probably would explain it. This is a really adorable and named pig that this woman has. Noffer? Noffer, the pig. Um, oh, love it. Okay, she's trying very hard and repeatedly to cut her own fingers off. 
apparently. Well, as far as she I can tell. carving something or I, sharpening? I, I hope she's not sharpening it for poor Nopper. Oh, man, that would be grim. No, she's... fled. Seems to be doing something to it. That thing. But it kind Maybe of does like, look like she's sharpening it, honestly. On a piece of leather, yeah. Yeah, I think that this bodes ill for Nopper. Oh dear. You're 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 a stone cold lady, Ingleflood. It's a it's a grim picture. <laughs> grim picture of the realities of farm life right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why you don't let the kids name the the animals. Yeah, like especially Nofer. cute names. Yeah. yeah, here's dad over here explaining to the kids why Noffer's going to go to a special pig farm where he's going to be happy. That's right. So kids, I have good news and bad child. news, right? Yes. Interestingly enough, she and the two kids have the little symbol. He does not. Oh, really? Okay, so I have one possible explanation for why this guy and the supplier don't have it. If you look closely, he has a large size boss in the middle of his chest there, right at his collar. But if you look at the mm -hmm. bottom, there's a little tail hanging down, which looks just like the tail that hangs down under the wooden symbols. So I think he might be, it might be under there. Like it might oh, like be hanging there. Yeah. Well, it's like around his, it's like around his neck, but tucked into whatever the big metal boss, you know, it's like the big metal boss thing is on rather than having it bouncing around on top. Right. He's wearing yeah. it on a necklace and he's tucked it in. That's uh that's my theory. He's so important, he doesn't feel the need to have it outside his clothing. Right. He wears it next to his heart, you know, uh, in, uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's concealed in his bosom. Yep. Uh, that, that's my theory. Um, that's a theory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other one being this is a matriarchal society, which means that outside men who marry the important women don't get the big crest. Oh, right. So he just doesn't so wait one. one. No, yeah, well, yeah, she's, she's got, got one. one. She's important. She's got one because she's more of more of she's of more important family. Yeah, he's married. No, she's got both family. of them. She's got the boss and the little dangly thing. Oh, so maybe oh, she yeah. took his. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, boy, he really is talking fast. This is, and that yeah. the the boy over here looks pretty uncomfortable, right? She's all looking around. She's not even paying attention, right? But the boy is like giving him this fixed. Are you really meaning to tell me you're about to kill Noffer? Uh, I don't expression? think there is a pig farm where Noffer's going to be happy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yes. But fortunately for the dad, the girl is really not paying attention. She's multitasking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, There's my pig. I want my pig. <laughs> so sad. Oh, man. Uh, but, you know. That's agriculture. It is. It is. That, you know, bacon won't make itself. Um, Noffer looks pretty ready. <laughs> yeah, he's reconciled to his fate. Whoa. Yeah. It's a good thing I put my cat on passive or else his fate might have come earlier than anyone suspected. <laughs> <laughs> Much to the disappointment wow. of everyone, including the farmer. Okay, so this yeah. is off on the way to Lothlorien. Hey, let's finish the town quick. I just want to see if there's anything else we can see in the town. Um, any other agricultural tragedies that are currently unfolding? Any <laughs> other family dramas that we can catch in mid-act here? Um, yeah. And um, 
Yeah. Okay. Let's see. So who's who's down this way? It gets mistier as we pass through those pillars. Yeah, I almost like, feel like we, we're about to. Yeah, are we passing yeah. on like the east side of a barrow or something here? What's who's who's walking in the distance in front of me here? Who's this? Nobody. I can't click on her. This is nobody. Oh, hi. She's nobody. She's got no name. But she's walking with very determined gait. And a big old boss on her midriff. And another smaller one. She does not have a little wooden talisman that I can see. She's uh, well-armed. Gosh, that's, that's some fun armor for that. Yeah. Oh, oh, we're turning. We're turning around and uh, going back. Turning around. She must be on patrol, I guess. If you yeah, keep coming so. down to the river, you'll see something else. Oh, wait, th that's this way that we're headed? Yep. Come yep. to the river. Oh. oh, okay. Here's somebody else coming back. Man. Uh, okay. Oh, All little right. fishing spot. Right, yes. The fishing out. Probably one of the ones League of the Fishmongers. Oh dear. Oh, look oh at dear. that. There they are. Okay. This is the eastern branch. Yeah. Oh boy. All these people with grim and shady looks. I love the little boss on the edge of her hat. That is adorable. That's a really nice look. And the little, like, I think she has her hair gathered up into that little, like, thing, the little ridge at the top there. Uh-huh. She's, like, sewn a little, like, convertible top, you know, into the... Can she take it off in hot weather? That's, Couldn't tell you. That's really cute. Okay. But, I mean, in, like, a, a sinister way. But, again, see, maybe these are the good fishmongers. Maybe they are. Maybe it's a peaceful and happy village of well-adjusted fishmongers. I seem to be lacking some context for evil fishmongers. So, so yeah, <laughs> don't am rough. Uh, I, I, during one of Wigan's uh, marathon streams, I discovered a conspiracy that was chiefly hinged around one of the fishmongers of Dol Amroth, um, who was Basically. obviously up to no good. So, um, Fish mafia. Yeah. Tassila. I'm wondering why they have the, the pulley system here above both of these buildings. There's doors right there! Hmm. Huh. I guess they were... They have like a little loft up there to store things? Uh... It's like... Well, you think it'd be over the water so they could put stuff in boats. It's barely over or, arm's reach. I mean, like, you can alternatively just climb up the steps yeah, and just, reach it up into the into the top there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Unless they didn't build any steps inside, they just literally made a floor, which was the, also the ceiling with no holes in it, and then, you know... Or if they're very heavy that would be things. Quicker. If they're very yeah. heavy or bulky things that they're putting up into the attic space up there. Uh-huh. Maybe it's a smokehouse. Wow, just when you think things can't get greener or mossier, look at that door. But is it algae or is it moss? I'm wondering. I think it's or moss. Lichen. 
or lichen. <laughs> Maybe that's why they need the pulley. They can't open the door anymore. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, no, we'll just have to. We'll just have to. We'll just have to wedge you in through the upper story because the door is just swollen keep shut. Keep your elbows. Keep your elbows <laughs> in and try not to move a lot because they're splinters. That's right. Okay. I love the extra fishing pole set up. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So we're. Are these guys Bjorn? They don't have tattoos. And no. I mean, I'm not judging, painting. but like the other, the Bjornings who were visible had tattoos. So are these dudes not no. Bjornings? These guys also, none of these, are they, any of them have names? None of these guys have names. Or T- Tassila over there does, but yeah. she's the only one who has a name. Nobody else has names. Okay. So are these people Bjornings or are they not? Are is tattooing um like um, optional or seasonal? Uh, seasonal tattooing would be a little bit awkward. Um okay, now scrub it off. Um okay, these are the wild Are there headbands? Folk. Are there headbands on the humans that live out here cuz I seem to think headbands are definitely a Bjorning decoration. I don't know, her hat was like you know, two parts headband. There was a woman at the pier, and one of the men around the fire had a headband. Yeah, of yeah, leather. Yeah, Tassila at the pier definitely. They did. might be. So Emily says that these Bjorn. are wilder folk, not mm-hmm. Bjornings. Yeah, there's uh, a whole culture of non-Bjorning men, a race of men who live out this way. Okay. And well, they are led by the Bjornings. These, these are the men that, you know, the eagles steal their stuff and, like, the ones who were terrorized by goblins when that came out of the Misty Mountains. Is that these guys? Um, Possibly. You mean, like, the woodman in The Hobbit? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they could be connected with... Though they sort of became the Bjornings, like, they kind of merged... In with the, I mean, at the end of the Hobbit, that's what. Yeah, they they, mar- they married in. The, yeah, yeah, they intermarried. Yeah, they become they, they become the, surprise me to the see. people whom Bjorn rules. Mm-hmm. Ooh, a tower. Uh, also, yeah. Park. Also, why it doesn't surprise me to see the occasional Bjorning or Bjorning artifact among these people. Right. Expecting a turnoff? Yes, indeed. To go up to a ruined tower. Ooh, I like a ruined tower. Ah, uh, yeah. Multiple uh, ruined towers. Oh, this looks familiar. Would you look at that? Oh my goodness! I know this architecture. That is quite it's something. It's the party elves. Except newer looking, though, right? I mean, we never saw yeah. anything this schmancy. No, well, the one behind us looks pretty decrepit, but this one here is really vivid. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. These fallen down towers look like they could be from the party elves of Arid Lewin. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, you can see the filigree work up there at the top. Yep. But this wall here, this is something. Guys picked a nice view, didn't they? Yeah, I assume that these are more of Rivendell's people coming down to... Mm, they said they're Galathrim. They said they're Galathrim? Okay. Yeah, the nameplates oh. are Galathrim. 
I don't believe it. Baradell, she's got the same, like, shoulder pads that uh, Arwen's... Uh, like, the, 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 the kneeling dudes are Galathrim, sure. I think, I think, yeah. But she's not. I think she's the one who looks like she's... Yeah, I think got she's a, another of Arwen's like party. stitch in her side or something. Um, you know, maybe a Charlie horse. Um, yeah. I think she's from Arwen's party. She's got the same armor as that other lady. Mm-hmm. No, these men in the white cloaks with masks of the Galathrim. Baradell is the other lady. It's the same NPC. Yep. Oh, it is her. It's the same person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. No wonder she looks story, like that other lady. Okay. All right. That's... Right down to the short haircut. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that Well, that would explain the similarity. Yep. Okay. All right. So, we've got... Oh, beautiful. Boy, this is a whole... This is a whole thing. I saw a tower. I... And we, we went off the path here. We're off the path. Yep. Um, As always. And so this is this is so where's this path headed? I, I thought it was just headed up here. Now we're we're, we're still going here. It's called Glandir. Glandir, yeah. And now we're descending. There's Lothlorien, very beautifully. But I thought this wasn't the path. This, no, it's parallel to the path. We found yes. a separate, distinct, but in fact parallel path. It's a rest stop. It's a rest, right? It is. It's like last exit before Lothlorien, right? You know, the like Galathrim truck stop. Yeah, exactly. Last gas last before Lothlorien. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Buy a local salted nut block. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay, because we're just we're just going to descend into Lothlorien here. So okay. So yeah, now, yeah, Loth and Malorn. So here's the last mystery then. Um. Who made this? Because... Would it be the Galathrim? I wouldn't think so. No. Not their style, really. Not their style. Yeah, it isn't. And and it is, I agree, more like the Arid Luin style, especially with the, uh, the degree of ruinousness. Looks like it's from a similar period, though in a much more lavish style. Mm-hmm. And with... second age for that? Or was it just like the second stage. I th- I think we were suspecting second age for that. Mm-hmm. Um Emily says doesn't it look like the ruin around Ostgalov in Mirkwood? Maybe. I'm see I'm it's not been a while. Oh, Yeah, I can't remember. Mirkwood has been a long time. Um I don't re- like this uh like sort of water drop slash well, it's not exactly an eye, slash candle flame, whatever, you know, design here at the top of this peak, of this arched, you know, this peaked arch. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't recall seeing that. No, that's new. Like candle flame. I'm going to call it the candle flame eye because it looks like a candle flame. Um, I'll buy it, yeah. Look at the marble. It would be similar to the trim. ring forges. Yes, except again, there was nothing this fancy, even in, even in. The ring for uh, the ring forge always had um, the image of. Um, uh, what was it? Um, the lady, El- Albert. 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 Was it? I'm yeah. blanking. Yeah. 
but it was always a lady's face, but it had these same sort of designs. It had these teardrop shapes and right. circles inside this gothic arch. Right. Oh, and a tastefully concealed uh, reflecting pool. Wait, it's oh, like a dried-up yeah. reflecting pool. What's the story there? <laughs> oh, no, it, it, it works. Okay. It's a functioning reflecting pool. Fine. Okay. So... If we extend this, then, okay. have we seen other elvish stuff along this way? I don't recall any elvish architecture. Up on the island, whose name escapes me, um, that was all Arnorian stuff mm-hmm. on the little island. Yeah. Um, We've got the dwarves coming out of Moria, which, of course, we decided was a Third Age thing. We've got the Hobbit stuff in the Gladden Fields. We've got those hutments, which look like they might be connected with the um, Duskenvale slash Blomgard uh-huh. woodman culture. Uh, the talisman folks. Um, I don't quite remember what we saw in the city where we were attacked by invisible guards um that was all kind of a blur but um well you can go back to to yeah yeah we'll 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 head back through when we get around back up there but um but i don't remember any other elvish architecture no so Um, yeah you won't see any until the gates the forest gates yeah yeah, until we get to Mirkwood and, and Lothlorien, I think, are our closest clues. Because the only other time we've seen this kind of architecture was along the River Rune. Right. That was the only ones we've seen. Yeah, I mean, it's it was all Arid Lewin stuff. So, is this the party spot for visiting elves coming to hang out? in Lothlorien? Like, why do they stop to party and build a whole... I mean, this is not a... This is not a small compound. This place was enormous. This was as big as any of the party spots that we saw in the Yeah, it's, it's just about... It's funny, it has the same uh, structural weaknesses. We still have the sort of barrel towers on the ground. Like, yeah, the yeah. barrel towers <laughs> with the tops falling off, yeah. 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 Um, it's just... Why? Huh. Why here? Why build an entire city immediately next to Lothlorien? Okay, theory. Well, it theory. is next to a river, though. It is. Our, like... And what if it predates Lothlorien? Yeah. What if be. Galadriel had still been living, you know, out in out Eregian way mm-hmm. when this was built? So it actually fell into ruin prior to Lothlorien. I mean, of course, it depends on which version of the Galadriel story we're going with, of course. Yeah. Um, but which is So awkward. which would come first, the, the elven structures on the Great River or the elven structures on the Rune? Were they moving east, moving west? Our theory was they were moving west, but... But I all the way anymore. from here? It's the same architecture, though. Yeah, it is. But if it's Second Age, 
I could just as easily see them moving east from Linden. Mm-hmm. Linden would have been the center of all elvish power where Gilgalad was. Center of all mm-hmm. elvish power in Middle-earth. Yep. Therefore making the Arid Luin stuff being, you know, home turf for the party elves. Yeah. And... Yeah. This is definitely Tomas. Now, okay, Tomas is right to say that there is some similarities. It's not identical, but there are some similarities with the kind of architecture that we see as, for instance, in Echad Dunan, uh, right on the other side of the entrance to Moria. Um, mm. During the, you know, high tide of Moria, elves obviously could easily have passed through Moria in order to come over here. So that could explain a an eastward expansion. Well, frankly, or a westward expansion. But we know that the... Um, I mean, of course, I'm trying to figure out where, like, what group of elves are most... I'm looking at the map because I'm trying to figure out which group of elves are most likely to have built this. Um, I'm just uh-huh. going to go ahead and say not the Galathrim because why would no. they? You know, it doesn't. Even well, make I think any sense. I think they had a good point with mentioning Echadunan. I think the Holland Elves might be a good candidate for this. Yeah, so you got the Holland Elves right on the other side of the mountains, but who could uh-huh. pass through? You know, to over here from through Moria, uh, we have of course Mirkwood. You know, the Mirkwood Elves who are there, uh, uh-huh. and of course we've got the Galathrim, which I don't believe in. I mean, I believe they exist, but I don't believe they built this place. <laughs> Um, so not enough, tr- not enough, uh, trees to climb up in here. And it's definitely much more Noldor-ish than it is Mirkwood-ish. Uh, yeah, the rot gold's kind of a clue. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, mm. it's not quite such a smoking gun as if we were to find, I don't know, a Feanorian star or something like that. Yeah. That yeah. would be... Throw us a bone, Noldrin. Yeah, well. Interesting. I do I do feel like that teardrop shape is like a simplified version of um that Elber thing. Mhm. Maybe. I mean, I I look at it and I don't recall seeing that exactly before, but it's not like this looks like an alien design concept in any way. Not not a completely alien design concept. <laughs> I just don't remember seeing it done in gold that is so well preserved. Yeah, or or stolen, as the case may be. Right, right, yeah, right. Um, These are definitely also not Galathrum tents. Sure. Yeah, I don't think we've seen Galathrum tents. Well, that that's yeah. I mean that they might be, you know, squatting on, you know, setting up their, you know, little pit stop on the way through here seems perfectly mm-hmm. acceptable. That's a that's a pretty fancy tent. Especially as they're coming out to the, but because presumably this is the way that Arwen is coming, so she's going to come in uh-huh. here and because they're going to meet up with, you know, they're they're, they're picking up Goadriel and Kelborn on the way down. Yeah. Right. So. Meet up with Grandmama. Yeah, yeah. So we got to pick up Grandma and Grandpa. So. We're coming through here, um, and so we're, you know, 
they send out some of the Goathrim to meet up with them seems only sensible, especially since, you know, Arwen's steward or whatever seems to have, you know, gotten the cramp there. So, or Charlie. Pulled a hammy. Yeah, pulled a hammy. Actually, that's even better what it looks like. Uh, Yeah, so she's, uh, uh, she's on the bench for a little while there. But they're helping, so that's nice. Keeping an eye out over here, just they're in helping case. by staring at her. <laughs> yeah, you know. Okay, we're we're looking down the path, right? Okay, that makes sense. Can't be too careful about this path that's not on the map. Um. Okay. Okay. Is there anything else about the tents? Any uh, like iconographical evidence not really i just think they look way more waterproof than most of the tents they sure do especially that like the top like thick you know like leather or canvas covering over the peak there really yeah that is that is definitely leather on top maybe with some fur under it and then probably like a wax canvas looks really nice yeah very snug. This is, I don't think this is Galadrim. I'm pretty sure this is this is Princess Arwen. Uh-huh. Right, right. Maybe that's where how she pulled her hammy was bringing those in with her. Maybe no, they, they look very heavy. That's for sure. So these look like princess tents to you, is what you're saying? I think so. Okay, possibly. So. Yeah, them usually sleep on a flat in a tree, don't they? Yeah, I don't see any clear evidence on them. They do seem to be bejeweled, as well, which is another. I think they're studs. Point. Are they? St- are those studs? Those look like studs like, to keep like the leather on. Like rivets or something. Yeah. Snaps, maybe. <laughs> maybe not snaps. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just to keep the leather from sliding off. You know. Uh, if hobbits can have pocket watches, elves can have snaps. I guess. Why not? Why not? Yeah. No, I think that Tolkien would object to that very strongly. Uh, <laughs> Oh, great. Now I gotta look up when they came from. But rivets, I know, are much older. It's probably. Yeah, very possibly. All right. Well, we should probably stop here. This was a fascinating little discovery at the end. So that was really cool. Um, so we'll resume. Wait, where will we resume? We'll we resume here? Or I guess we could just go back to Blomgard and take off from there. Yeah. Up into Lyrlad and around to Roscobel. We'll do some exploring next time down here in this region of the map probing around the edges of the map that we're not allowed to go to and see where we can <laughs> yeah. go. All right. Sounds fun. Excellent. Cool. Very nice. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, coming with me tonight. That's been a lot of fun. And thanks, everybody, for joining us this week. Uh, and we will see you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>